When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Here we go. <laughs> Live show draft. Welcome show. to the Athletic Let's NBA Show. This is Jade Hoy, the executive producer. Zach, your mic. There's something wrong with your mic. We're about to go live. We are live, Zach. Your mic is just not sounding right. Just please bear with us, people. Zach's mic will be fixed very shortly. But last night, we put on a live show for thousands of people across the world. It was a big hit. You missed it. I can't believe you missed it. If you missed it, if you were there, thank you very much. Uh, be on the lookout for more of these to come. Subscribe to The Athletic. Subscribe to The Athletic on YouTube. And uh, enjoy the show. Going to be here dropping knowledge all night. Uh, I will be here unless the trade happens, and then I got to write about the trade. Sam is going to be simultaneously <laughs> giving us information here and writing on the website, grading trades and giving analysis yeah. of all the picks so far. And so uh, we've got a uh, we've got an agreement uh, that Lakers and Wizards have that uh, that Russell Westbrook trade. So even though we've got Cade Cunningham to get to, we've got uh, you know Jalen Green to get to. We've got all this draft analysis. Let's start off with this uh, this trade of Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Montrez Harrell, and number 22 in exchange for Russell Westbrook, the 2024 second-round pick, and the 2028 second-round pick from Washington. And so, um, Mo, let's start with you. In terms of Russell Westbrook to the Lakers, uh, it's weird. I don't know if it's bad. I kind of like it. I've got grades up on that on... Uh, on the athletic right now, if you guys want to go check out that analysis, um, the idea is that the Lakers cannot score when LeBron James is not on the court, right? Even if Anthony Davis is up there. So they tried yeah, to get no. Schroeder, they tried to get Montrez Harrell and they're like, Hey, this will help. And it never helped. And now they're like, all right, what if Ru- Russell Westbrook fixes this? So in theory, it should work as long as, you know, you can stand having three possibly non shooters on the court. I mean, not possibly non-shooters. I mean, it's well, LeBron you shoot every once in a while, you know. Okay, so like every five games, like yeah. we're going to get really excited about it. I, I'm intrigued, like you. I also think this is, I think this is a very high risk, high reward type move. For sure. I don't. My only thing I, when I just look at everything is I'm really concerned defensively because you know Russ isn't playing any defense. He might pretend right. to, but he's not going to be playing much. You know. LeBron's getting up there in age and he's not really a lockdown guy, right? At most he's coming in at help. A lot of stuff's going to be relying on AD kind of coming in as the rim protector type guy for them. Their center situation has not really panned out. And so it's along those lines where I look at it going like scary, but also we've seen LeBron do stuff with a lot less talent on a roster. And I'm, and I'm kind of always afraid of just like betting against LeBron. So my thing is, if anybody can make this work, it probably is LeBron James. But here's the thing. LeBron has always excelled the most when he has shooters around him. 
And adding Russell Westbrook, who not only is a non-shooter, he's, I mean, he's one of the most disruptive shoot. shooters <laughs> in the entire league. He's definitely going to shoot. Yeah, he's and definitely going to shoot. Who, who not only does shoot and can't shoot, but will do so in key moments when LeBron and Anthony Davis should have the basketball. I think this is such a bad fit. And obviously there's a talent upgrade to Russell Westbrook that that may make that okay. But I just think if Buddy Heald was an option, that's such a better option to actually maximize LeBron James and Anthony Davis, which should have been the goal of the Lakers all along. And and I just I just don't love Westbrook. Actually, I hate the the fit of Westbrook on that Lakers team. Yeah, I mean, until Buddy Hill gets mad that he's not getting more shots than Anthony Davis, and then starts pouting, and then he and got then mad about that in Sacramento, though. Not not, <laughs> not when LeBron and Anthony Davis are the ones. Well, <laughs> Sam, what do you like? What do you think of Russ on the Lakers? Yeah, I think that they're going to be a monster in transition. Now you almost yeah. it's it's a weird like juxtaposition of styles now, right? Because. Russ is at his best playing up tempo now. LeBron is at his best playing down tempo now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how that's going to work. I think it's going to be kind of weird at the end of the day. And I, I'm not necessarily convinced that it's the best thing for them in the playoffs. I think in the regular season, they're probably going to wreck teams. But in the playoffs, I worry about what their half court offense looks like whenever these games slow down. On sure. top of it, the thing that worries me most is that, like, this is kind of their all in move now. They yeah. have very little flexibility. If they would have gone and gotten a Buddy Healed, you can move Buddy Healed if it doesn't work. That contract is not terrible. Uh, and then on top of it, you would still have Contavious Caldwell Pope as a piece to move around a little bit. You would have your assets and you'd have your contracts in more right. bite sized pieces, which makes it a little bit easier to maneuver around. With Russ, I mean, this is a negative contract. And it's all in one piece. So I think it's going to be harder for them if this doesn't work. And it's definitely a high risk, high reward thing. If this doesn't work, I think they're going to have a harder time maneuvering around. You guys are too negative. No, man, I'm in. You know what? I'm sick of this. (laughs) I'm not the biggest Russell Westbrook guy, but I think that there is something to if you can sign two shooters, right? If you can sign two shooters relatively cheaply to put out it's gonna have to be very cheaply given given the salary cap constraints maybe all right so whatever you want to chase a ring chase a ring um if you can sign a couple of shooters to add to the roster there is something about like there's gonna be so overwhelming athletically and physically that it might work and also all right let's not let's not act like dennis schroeder can guard anybody okay it's not like they downgrade (laughs) defensively here schroeder is the best at what Schroeder's not good. Say, he's Jay, not Jay, good. You got to stop. He's not a pest. He's, he's not, not a guy. I mean, gonna, he, he, he is on, a pest hold, in the on, sense on, that you'll get mad on. at him. But what you, what you, what you do lose though, is that, you know, and, and I'm sure Zach will hate this part, but you know, Kyle Kuzma did make, it did improve defensively last year. You're losing another guy. No, for sure. No, he's, he's a good defender now. Yeah. He, he, he's, he's improved defensively on that end. KCP, another guy that can defend and things like that. You're losing the, the, those guys on the wings that kind of help you out defensively. But one yeah, thing that right. we should kind of, a little bit too. You know, but one yeah. thing we should also kind like of stars. think about because well, we're we're saying like the buddy heel thing's dead. It's not really. I mean, there's still a possibility, probably slim. But this deal can't fully be completed until August six. There's still a possibility they could find a way to make this a three or four team deal 
and find a way to get Buddy Hill. Wild, right. but we've seen these type of things happen before. And okay. you know, now if you're looking at a team with Westbrook, Healed, LeBron, and AD, now it's a little bit different. All right. Uh, yeah, we have some that, dra- though, we- to, can, can we talk about that though? To do that though, the sure. Kings have to take back Dennis Schroeder in a sign-in trade. And why in the world would they take back Dennis Schroeder in a sign-in trade whenever they already have De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton? I said four teams. I didn't just say Sacramento. Four teams. I don't know who the fourth team would right. be. Guys, <laughs> let's let's get to this draft that. real quick because things just got shook the hell up. So uh funny enough, I heard yeah. from someone uh last night yeah. that the Toronto Raptors were not crazy about Jalen Suggs, um, which I thought was insane, but whatever. I'm a big Jalen Suggs guy. And according to Shams Tarania of the athletic Toronto is selecting Scotty Barnes out of Florida state with the number four pick. So maybe this means a trade is going to be in the mix, or maybe this is just the type of dude that Toronto likes, but we have Cade Cunningham, number one, predictable. We have Jalen green, number two to Houston, predictable. We had Evan Mobley to Cleveland and number three, predictable Sam with Scotty Barnes going number four over Jalen Suggs. At least it looks right now to Toronto. What the hell's happening? (laughs) So I am not totally surprised because as I believe you wrote in your mock draft as well, this is like something that has been going around that the Raptors Mm -hmm. genuinely thought that Jalen Suggs, Scotty Barnes, Jonathan Kaminga, those guys were all kind of in the same tier of this draft class. Right. It's not really a huge shock, I I don't think. I I mean, I think it's a dumb move because I think Jalen Suggs is going to be a star. I think that he should have gone number two in this draft realistically. But I I am not totally surprised. I, I There are enough NBA teams that really believe Scotty Barnes is going to be able to score the basketball in a way that he just didn't do at Florida State. And I think that in large part, yeah. they think he can do it because the Florida State system tends to hold some people back a little bit. Florida State does always have like six 10-point-per-game scorers and nobody above that. <laughs> this is this is this is a bad draft choice though, man. Jalen Suggs is so good and so athletic, and he can get into the paint against anybody. I and he's so competitive that I'm I would bet on him. I, I just think this is a big mistake going Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs. I think Barnes is gonna be good. Like he's yeah. huge. I like him to defend. Yeah. He he has some some passing ability. If he becomes a scorer like like guys think he might, he's going to be very good in the NBA. But I just think Suggs has a chance to be special. And and so at number four, especially for Toronto, where you could use a point guard with Kyle Lowry probably going somewhere else. And mm. you, you could use as an uber competitor like Suggs. I just think this is a bad, bad decision. So, Sam, Toronto has a type, right? Like big guy, big wing, super long arms, defensive. Like they've got... You know, now Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam. In terms of the type of player, it makes sense they like Scotty Barnes, right? Yeah, it totally does. But the other thing about what they like is they like crazy competitors who can do a lot of different things on the court who are versatile. And that's Jalen Suggs. So, like, there was a case for it kind of both ways. And at the end of the day, I think that uh, this is a mistake. You always go with the perimeter guy at the end of the day. Oh, my God. God. We joked. We joked before we went live that he was that Perk was going to call 
Cade Cunningham, the next LeBron James. I didn't see Evan Mobley as the next Bill Russell. I got to be <laughs> yeah, honest. No, that that, one uh, that's, that's a new one for me. But <laughs> see, that's bigger than the that's bigger than Scotty Barnes at four. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you see you Perk know? earlier say that Cunningham is the best prospect since LeBron James? Kevin Durant I mean, was what, a pretty like, good prospect. Pretty good sure. Prospect. I mean, like so was the guy who went number one over Kevin Durant. Greg Oden. Yeah. <laughs> Mo, Mo, maybe maybe you should uh maybe you should just say things to say them. Okay. Maybe you should do that, Mo, and we'll see how that works Yo, out. For I mean, everybody. I just totally started doing it. I mean, are you kidding me? Scotty Barnes? What are we talking about, guys? This is the next Kevin Durant. I'm glad you brought sure. him up, Jay. This yeah. guy can do it everything that KD can do and better. That was that was a that was a little bit of a mispronunciation though. Kevin Durand is an actor that was in the movie Primal with Nick Cage. That's who that's who Mo was talking about there, not I Kevin Durand. Like I feel like you watch a lot of bad movies, Zach. Well, I do. It's it's on this podcast called Cinephobe, a podcast where Amin Al Hassan and I review movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes. We try to ascertain whether or not they're properly poorly rated, or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. That's Cinephobe, produced by Anthony Mays. You get I win. Podcast. I just won my bet. I had. Oh, oh, I had the under on 14 minutes in that, that you oh, get a 14 minutes is way too high. I'm going to do it like eight times before 14 minutes. Um, <laughs> I'm shocked he didn't so, start the show with it, to be honest. But, I thought yeah. I thought about it. So, Mo, all right. If uh, Mo, what about the idea that, that the Raptors may be saying, hey, we have our point guard. We have Fred Van Bleet. Like that's our that's our point guard. We're going to roll with him as the lead guard. And then we've got all these super athletic big wings to to fill things out and make it super versatile. Well, it's it's interesting because the league is becoming really if the more wings you have and the more versatility you have it, it it goes a long way in that sense and in the east when you're looking at the guys you do have to defend you're going to have to defend Kevin Durant or Durant whoever you want to talk about Zach you're right, going to yeah. have to worry about I mean, both are good both are good good shape yeah <laughs> Kevin know, Durant's got, got guns man <laughs> you got the two <laughs> the two wings in Boston with the Jays you know and and you know, the guy will have to deal with Jay King afterwards in the press conferences. But you have wings all over the league that these guys are going to have to defend. So your, your philosophy is a little bit of, hey, we're just going to load up on a ton of wings and we'll right. figure out the rest later. And, you know, with Fred Van Vliet, you know, I'm assuming they're going to be re-signing Gary Trent Jr., restricted yeah. free agent, all that. Like, they feel like that's going to be their backcourt. We're going to just roll from the wings from there. Um. All right, Sam, we, we've got the number five pick is in. It is Jalen Suggs to the Orlando Magic. I, they've got, you know, RJ Hampton and Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony, but this is a no-brainer once he falls there, right? Like, he's he's so good, and he's the exact kind of lead guard they haven't had, I'll just say, since Penny. Like, they really haven't had a dude this good at point guard since Penny Hardaway. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Jalen Suggs, I think. DJ Augustine just got so much disrespect. Yeah, and then Mr. <laughs> Jumper. So... I'll say this. I had been hearing since the, you know, rumors that Toronto was considering Scotty Barnes, a little bit of Jonathan Kaminga, everything like that. I, I kind of reached out and tried to see, okay, if let's say Toronto passes on Jalen Suggs, is he definitely going to go five to Orlando just to make sure? And I was told Orlando loves him and is like super excited yeah. about Scotty Barnes falling. And, you know, just given the fact that a team passed on him, that's not always going to be the case. Sometimes when these guys fall, they fall for a reason, right? right? I don't think that that is what happened here. I think mm -hmm. that uh, at the end of the day, Toronto just likes Scotty Barnes's measurements and attitude and defensive intensity. And Orlando is the beneficiary now of exactly what they need. They need a guy who can be a primary scorer and a primary playmaker. Uh, I see Markel Fultz more as a, you know, 
bottom half, bottom third of the league starting point guard. I see Cole right. Anthony as a sixth man. And RJ Hampton's a wild card, but I think that Suggs can play with all of them because he's so good at playing on and off the ball, because he's so good defensively, and because he's such a good passer and scorer. It's just a versatile player who has star upside, who fits with all of their guys. It's a perfect fit. Yeah, it's funny the uh the Markel Fultz part of it because it was such like a nice like, hey, he's back, he's done he shot under forty percent from the field last year, right? Like he like he was right. he was better than what we saw in Philadelphia. He was way more confident, he was trying things. But Jay, like they still need a lead guard. Like Fultz isn't the full-time answer. Um, I think RJ Hampton's probably going to be more of like a scoring guard off the bench than like a full-time point guard, but I do like him. Cole Anthony, again, probably more of a backup guard in this league. Uh, could be a really good backup guard, but you know, he showed some flashes here, but Suggs is the guy. Yeah. Suggs is a guy. Now they need to find scores somehow around him. Yeah, no kidding. Because he played probably with better scorers at Gonzaga than he will his rookie year in Orlando. Um, and that to me will like decide how effective he is because he can get in the paint against anyone. He's going to be mm-hmm. a, a very good passer. He's going to be a, a very good defender. I think at the point guard position, but when you have a dynamic athlete like that and you have very little floor spacing, then it can be very difficult. And so I, I want to see how his transition to the NBA takes place in Orlando. I think if he was in Toronto, it would have been a lot easier for Suggs to right. to be efficient right away. But he's he's going to be up there for rookie of the year, would be my guess. Man, I, lo- I love Scotty Barnes, but Sam, I'm not going to get over this. I think this is such a mistake. I get that they weren't in love with him after the, after they, like after the visit and the workout stuff, but I just, I cannot... I just can't imagine like, cause I was with you that when I, when I first saw the draft door, I was like, I know Jalen green's going to be amazing and he's super marketable and he's really fun. But if I'm looking for a leader and a lead guard, not that Jalen green can't be a leader, but like, I want Suggs. Like I want a lead guard who knows how to lead right away. Yeah, And what worries me with Scotty Barnes is what do you do with him on offense right now? You can't really use him as a spacer. You're not going to use him as like your lead guard. You already have Fred Van Vliet. And right. frankly, like I feel more comfortable with the ball in Pascal Siakam's hands than I do in For his. Sure. So yeah. Scotty Barnes will be like a grab and go transition playmaker, passer. You know, he can get out and score. But I mean, Scotty Barnes right now is doesn't really create offense for himself all that well. He wasn't as elite as a finisher as you would think for someone with his athleticism and his uh, length. On top of that, you can't really space him into the corner because he can't shoot yet. Like Scotty Barnes just cannot shoot right now. And then what are you going to play him as like a small ball five? Like maybe maybe this is what they're going to do. Maybe they're going to play super small. They're going to play Siakam, Barnes and Ananobi across the front. And it's not going to actually be that small. It's going to be more of a modern offensive and defensive hybrid scheme. Uh, It's really interesting. I just, I'm uh, it's hard for me to take a guy that I don't think is as good of a scorer inside as what his measurements say. Mm -hmm. I don't think really has an in-between game as a scorer and can't shoot from distance right now. Like that, that's so, kind of what it comes down to for me. Sam, he's the next Willis Reed. I don't know. What are you doing, Sam? <laughs> oh, I don't boy, know. Oh, boy. That doesn't even make sense from a player comp <laughs> standpoint. Uh. And, and, and like, here's the thing though. Like I had Scotty Barnes. I've had Scotty Barnes at like number six on my board the yeah. whole way. I love yeah, everything Yeah, you've been high on him for a long time. Yeah. 
I think he is awesome. I think he's going to be an incredible like fifth starter on a title team. Probably, honestly, I think he's going to be really, really good. It's just hard for me to imagine passing on a guy that I think is going to be an all-star level guard for that. You know, but it's you know the thing too is it just he would have fit so perfectly in the this opening they're going to have. We all think Lowry's gone. It, he would have just kind of been able to slide right in. You know, it just kind of look at it going like, okay, now we just need to find mm-hmm. a center and free agency, and we're set. And this is our team, and we could build with you know, and we're turning it over to Fred VanVleet and Siakam, and we're building a cast around them. It's just now it's almost too much duplication. A little bit. It's a bit. I, it's just getting a bit weird with what they're doing. I think they overthought it here a little bit. I I also think it is like, look, I think we're all bringing up great points, but Jay, is it is it intelligent to question Masai Ujiri? Is that like, is that it? like, maybe he's not going to be there long-term. We did have a, a, we had a comment that's saying he's going to the Knicks next year, uh, which I don't know what to do what, but maybe play point guard. But I like, maybe we shouldn't be like Masai and Bobby Webster have, pretty good track records with this stuff and maybe we should believe like they see something that we don't maybe Masai's going to orlando and he just wanted to oh out. there you go <laughs> i'm to take that over i like that let's start that rumor no but look at jay playing chess while everyone yeah, else is playing man. checkers but exactly. seriously th- this is to me just a bet that scotty barnes has a lot that he wasn't able to show at florida state that he will mm-hmm. develop as a shooter that that he will develop as a scorer that all the holes that he had at Florida state. And he does a lot for you. Like he is going to be a piece that you can switch. He's going to be a piece that defends. He is huge. Like that, that dude is physically imposing. And so I like a lot of what Scotty Barnes brings. I, 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 I would be surprised if he's not at least a good NBA player. And mm-hmm. so from that, from that perspective, if you get a guy like that at number four, you're probably good with that. But I just think they passed on a guy that is going to be special. And and that's that's where I have a, a big, big issue with that pick. So, Sam, we, we've had um, – oh, no, we've got another perk alert. I don't know what he said. Uh, or maybe that was just Mo saying that he's the next Willis Reed. Um, is it? What did he say? What do we got? Oh, God. Scotty. I mean, all right, Sam, yeah, is, so- is Scotty Barnes the next Draymond Green? So here's like a rule that I have in comps with NBA draft prospects. His don't do I it. don't compare rule. anyone to right. Draymond Green. <laughs> Draymond Green is one of the five smartest basketball players to ever play basketball. Mm-hmm. That is setting someone up for failure to do that. Yeah, that's that's probably a smart a smart rule of thumb right there. Um, I <laughs> all right. <laughs> the Perkle is, comps, is in here. comps in general. Well, there it is. Like, there it is. I mean, I mean style you know, and play like. You get you get kind of scared. Like see, people were saying, Kate Cunningham's like Luka Doncic. Yo, Luka Doncic was a pro in in, in okay. the Euro leagues. And hold on, hold on. And it's like you're just putting all this undue pressure on this dude. In three years, is he going to be an MVP candidate? Like I don't think so. Like that's what Luka is. It's not fair to all do right. this to the kids. This entire draft is upside down because now Shamstrania is telling us that Oklahoma City Thunder are taking. Josh Giddy, the Australian giant guard. Uh, uh, what was he? Adelaide, maybe? I can't remember Sam, yeah, where he played. Adelaide, but yeah. but what the? I mean, what the hell's going on here? 
So I'm swear, again, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this. This is <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we're allowed to swear either. Yeah. One's gonna come out of my mouth for sure. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna good at being, swear. I'm gonna start uh, drinking at the end of the lottery and then it's gonna be I mean, it's if gonna Kirk keeps really coming flow. out with some of these things, we're all gonna be swearing. <laughs> here we go. We, we got Jade. We got Jade. We're clear. Okay, so okay. I will tell you this. Know Jade's the voice of reason here, yeah, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say on the giddy front, I heard in just being over here in Australia, right? I had heard maybe in April, March, the months blend together at this point, that Oklahoma mm. City really liked Josh Gibbs. I did not hear that again for a while. Mm. And if you look at Oklahoma City's general you know, draft history, they do tend to kind of shut guys down and not have them work out other places. Giddy was actually pretty easy to do that with because he's been with the Australian national team in Las Vegas right. the whole time. So I'm not like crazy shocked by this either. It's certainly not something I had in my mock draft. It's certainly not, um, you know, what I'd been hearing necessarily, but Josh Giddy's a really good prospect. He's a, you know, incredible passer, one of the most creative players, one of the most high field players in this class. It's not a total stunner to me. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, well, all right. So here's here's where I'm surprised. I, I thought I, I also heard that the Thunder were high on Giddy, but I thought that meant, all right, you package 16 and 18 and maybe a second round pick. You move up you know, into, I don't know, that nine, 10, 11 territory, or at least this was before the Memphis trade. And, and then they go and grab him with their second first round pick of the, of this draft or yeah, their second first round pick of this draft, not, well, you've got Kuminga on the board you've got book Knight on the board and you got all these other guys on the board. And now Giddy, like compa- Sam compare Giddy to a Kuminga or a, a James book Knight. Yeah, just a totally different player, right? James Booknight is a bucket getter. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga is like your traditional big wing who has potential to be a shot creator and defender who didn't really do either this year with the G League Ignite, unfortunately. Josh Giddy is a six foot eight playmaking like guard, let's call him. Uh, mm-hmm. He played point guard for Adelaide this year. He led the NBL in assists as an 18 year old. But what worries me a little bit about Josh is I, I see him more as like a secondary playmaker as opposed to a primary because mm-hmm. his handle's a little bit high and he's not a crazy athlete. I wonder how he's going to be able to put pressure on defenders by getting two feet in the paint and then being able to use all of that ability to warp the defense with his passing. So uh, on top of that, the jumper, I think he's going to shoot it long term. I do think it's probably going to take some time for him to shoot it, though. So, so it's just going to, it's an interesting pick for sure. Mo, um, I, I guess if you're going to have a dude like that, that needs some time to develop a, a skill like shooting, you know, OKC is a good place. It's very low pressure. Like they're not going to win for a while. They're taking a very slow tanking approach, even though they don't call it tanking. Um, you know, that, that they're, they're doing this 
And so maybe Giddy does make sense there next to a Shea Gilgis-Alexander who can also handle the ball and run some of the offense. Yeah, I mean, I think him kind of coming into the league as a secondary playmaker with Shea there, you know, it, it, it kind of works out pretty well. But this is such a – it's everything you said, Zach. Like, it's Oklahoma City such a low-pressure situation. It's right. all about development. And we've seen them develop these guys, you know, pretty well. Look at the improvement in Lugans Dort. Look at uh, Moses Brown before they traded him to yeah. uh, Boston. You know, he they, they are focused – on development because they know it's not free agency for them right it's Mm -hmm. gonna be can we make these young guys better and it's gonna be interesting because now we have uh, some sort of duplication as well with like alexi pokashevsku and 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 all of those things like you got to start figuring out who you're going with like i think what oklahoma city is going with is like we're just taking the guys we think are the very best in the long-term future and whatever shakes out shakes out like you know we'll we'll move guys if it doesn't work out and things like that we have abundance of picks and things all these things they're just taking swings right now and you know they're going to be right sometimes some of them we're just going to be like wow that was a crazy pick so jay um (laughs) i just thought we just had the comment and i need to know i need you to also comment again barry a baller 18 if this is a compliment or not he just said kuminga seems like the small for small forward version of wiseman I like Wiseman and I like Kuminga, but it doesn't sound like a compliment. So please let us know if that is actually a compliment. But Jay, what do you what do you think of the shakeout of these last three picks? Because these last three picks have been a little bit of chaos. Yeah, this this is where the madness begins. It began a little early. I did not think Suggs was going to fall past number four, even though people talked about that being a possibility. I didn't actually think that was going to happen. The giddy thing is interesting to me. Um, I mean. A six-seven point guard that can be very, very useful, and I happen to think that passing can often be the most o- overlooked skill in a player. And and I for him to say be overrated, I was going to say same. <laughs> no, <laughs> for for him to be six-seven with that type of creativity, that type of ball skills, he could have a very, very high upside. And like, like you guys said, for the Thunder, it's all about upside. It's it's all about bringing in guys. They don't really have anyone right now who will necessarily be a part of their long-term future with Gilgis Alexander. There's a question of whether they'll be, you know, on the same trajectory as he is and whether they'll keep him around with all the other guys basically on their roster. I I like, I don't, I don't know what to think of Poku. I gotta be honest. Like I, I, there are times (laughs) where I get it and times I'm like, what the hell are you guys thinking? There's no, there's like, there's like two or three times, Per game where you're like, oh, Poku. And then the rest, you're yeah. like, yo, Poku. You're like, oh, <laughs> Poku. <laughs> so, so I'm, I, yeah, I think Poku's got a chance, but it, it's almost like they are definitely the, not in a situation where they have to draft for need. Or let's put it that way. They, they yeah. are drafting for, oh, for, for sure talent for upside and they see it in Giddy. Yeah. Mo, I, I like it. It's almost like. It's almost like sometimes he makes you do the hokey poku and turn yourself around on your opinion on him. No, that's no good. Okay, we'll keep moving on. Don't worry, guys. Uh, there's a screenshot with everybody right there. Uh, it looks like the Golden State Warriors are taking Jonathan Kuminga. Uh, Sam, Kuminga was like a hot name at the start of the G League bubble. And he was, I mean, I don't know how real the idea of him being the number one prospect was, but he, like, people were high on him. And so what's happened to kind of lessen that? Is that about the other guys being good or is there something with Kuminga? 
Yeah, I was on Ryan Rosillo's podcast earlier this week, and I kind of relayed a story. I was talking to an odds maker, like someone who sets draft prop lines, uh, probably in December or so, about who I think, what I think the lines should look like uh, if I was handicapping the number one overall pick back in December. I said, Kate Cunningham should be like minus 400, minus 500, like should be very, yeah. very high. You want to try and not um, try and dissuade picks on him. I said Jonathan Kaminga should be number two at that time because I thought the wow. upside of him was pretty real. And I'd heard great reports coming out of Walnut Creek where the G League Ignite program was training. It just didn't happen in the G League this year. I, I mean, his defense was absolutely terrible. Uh, mm -hmm. It was largely a question of effort a lot of the time as opposed to uh, actually being willing and uh, you know, to sit down and be in the right positions defensively. He was a really poor, uh, you know, just rotational defender off the ball. And he didn't shoot it. He shot like 29% from three or 25% right. from three. So it, it just kind of fell off. And it was a very, uh, a swift drop from being thought of in the same class as some of these top four players to where he ends up falling to number seven in, with Golden State. Um, he's a crazy athlete though. And, and he does seem to have, while the shooting wasn't there and I don't know, I don't know if the shooting's going to be there anytime soon, but he does seem to have a really good skill set for getting shots, right? Which is good. That's key. Yeah. But knowing which shots to then get, that's kind of the next evolution of that. And then it's making those shots, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, he has the kind of game to where he's going to be able to create shots. He can get to that, you know, step back, pull up in the mid range pretty easily. But the question is, is he going to make them right? Like that's kind of what it comes down to. And I think that I have some questions about that still. Uh, the upside is real because of his athleticism. The upside is real because he has all sorts of length and potential I'm surprised they went this road, but they did make a ton of crazy player development hires this summer in Golden State and totally revamped that part of their coaching staff. So it's a, it's not a surprise because I knew that they were considering it, but it's um, to have both him and James Wiseman on this roster is going to be interesting. I, I, I think I love it. To, to, to me, I think with evaluating a guy like that, it's so much about what has he done, not just in the G League, but before that. Because what he played thirteen games in the G yeah. League bubble against pros, uh, against guy in a very tough situation for a young kid like that to be in, and he showed flashes. I, I think the the most interesting skill to me about him is for a guy his size with that much length, that much athleticism, he can really pass, and and I like that about him. And and I think you know in the right situation with Golden State would be a situation where he doesn't have to do too much. Uh, except make the right play and play defense a little, get, get Draymond on him a little bit, get, get yeah. defensive tenacity up. He's got a good teacher. Yeah. And then, then the other thing is he could be on the move because Golden State could absolutely trade him, trade the number 14 pick, trade right. Wiseman. They could trade anything for an upgrade soon. Can we put to bed the notion that Draymond's this great teacher? He was supposed to teach Jordan Bell. It didn't work out. You know, like they were, we're, we're they, were they were fifth. In defensive rating last year, he taught Andre Wiseman, man. Steph Curry, Andrew I, Wiggins, yes, Kelly Oubre Jr. Draymond's great. He ain't that he's, great. He ain't, he's not great enough to make but, those but dudes like, defend. What's, what I mean, is, he made Andrew Wiggins defend last year. 
Yeah, right, but he's it's not good. Like we, like, keep assuming, we keep assuming that every time a guy gets drafted there, oh, Draymond's going to take him under their wing and they're going to be these great defensive, defensive guys. It doesn't work that way. It really doesn't, guys. It's right, but also maybe awesome comparing play. everybody to Jordan Bell's not a good idea either, right? Like maybe say, well, it didn't work with Jordan Bell, so we're not no, going like, mean, to believe it's in it. It's not like it's been that great with Wiseman, though, defensively. I still feel like he has ways to go and that stuff. 20. And for the Warriors, for the Warriors, no, but here's the thing, Zach. For the Warriors, when you're looking to contend right now, like those guys all want to contend, this isn't a pick that makes me, even with the guys you left out there, it just isn't a pick that makes me go like, oh, you have a, you, you've got much better. You have a real chance in the Western Conference this year. Like I look at this and I'm just kind of going like, what, you guys are going to go through trying to develop him. This is three or four years from now where he's going to be something. Well, gotta and, trade, and let, him. Gotta trade him. What? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think you do. Like whatever that is. Like there was no one unless they were going to trade up for Cade Cunningham. They weren't going to draft anybody that makes them a contender in the West. Like no, the, what's going to make like, a contender in the West is Clay being Clay again. That's the only thing that's going to be there. Or you trade all these dudes for a superstar. Like if Bradley Beal decides he wants to be available and in the Bay, but I think they took the best player available in Kuminga. Like, but he's and not I don't a guy think that can gonna, give you minutes right now, though, right? Like, is he a guy he, you could Sam, you tell me. Kelly Oubre last year, like the the bar is so low. The bar, <laughs> like Kelly Oubre's not good. All right, well, Sam, tell me right now, though, like Moses Moody. Is he a guy you could look at? Was it was was Book Knight a guy where you needed you also need scoring? We're hoping Clay's gonna be Clay, but you also need some scoring. We saw that was a big problem. Every time Steph was off the court, they couldn't make a bucket for the life of them because they were playing Kelly Ubre and those guys. Like, is what are we going there with these? Like what was there well, somebody else yeah. that you thought they could have picked that could well, give first, them immediate minutes? First, Sam comment on the perk alert, which I guess he just said Kaminga is Jordan Bell. So he, so Bo and we got a perk Parker alert. on the same page. I don't <laughs> he know if stole it from me, man! Stop yeah, stealing we got from a me. Perk alert. Uh, yeah, no, dis- disagree uh, on perk here. Uh, Jordan Bell had no ability to create his own shot. Really, um, <laughs> Jordan Bell. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah, okay. man. I love it. I, look, you know okay. I so to take, to take, let's just ignore that. <laughs> I don't know if we can. But, we'll come back to it. We'll come um, back to it. We'll rank the okay, purple. Let's write them down. Hold on. <laughs> so, right here. on your point regarding whether or not Kuminga is going to play this year, right? There's a lot of overlap between what he does and what Andrew Wiggins does. And if you're not planning on moving Wiggins in a deal of any sort, and if you're planning on moving Wiggins in a deal for a star with Jonathan Kaminga, there is quite a bit of overlap there for teams looking to acquire both of those guys or for the Warriors looking to play. I thought that if they were looking for someone, and this is who I ended up mocking, I ended up mocking Franz Wagner there because his ability to pass, to potentially shoot, he's a little bit streaky right now, and to make defensive reads, I think it's going to allow him to get on the court just way earlier than Jonathan Kaminga. I think we're going to see a little bit of Santa Cruz this year for Kaminga, and that's fine. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world for him to develop his game, and I think there's still a lot of upside here. But I also think they probably could have gone with someone else if they wanted an early playing type of guy. So I just want to make sure we're all up to date on what the news is tonight. Um, not that Franz Wagner is going number eight to the war or to the magic. We'll get, we'll get to that in a minute, but so far for perk alerts, I have Cade Cunningham best prospects since LeBron James. We had Evan Mobley equals bill Russell. 
We have Kuminga equals Jordan Bell. Am I missing one, or is that all of them so far? There, was there was there not one earlier, guys? Uh, um, was there a Scotty Barnes one or something? Yeah, yeah oh, Scotty Barnes, Barnes was Draymond. Draymond. Draymond, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. that's right. Yep. yeah. All right. Keep us honest in the chat too. If we've missed one, yeah. Go if we've ahead, missed, if we've missed a perk alert, please let us know because I've got this thing muted, so I'm relying solely on important. you guys here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm more interested in this than the draft now. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely going to be drinking soon. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, okay, so what about Franz Wagner to Orlando? Jay, he's you know he's a three and D guy who didn't really shoot the three all that well. Although enough smart people seem convinced he'll he'll make he'll make shots. I mean, we you know grabbing him and Jalen Suggs, I feel like is a is a good first two picks of this draft so far. Yeah, I mean, Suggs is obviously the big one for me. Wagner does not project to be a star in my eyes at all. But as as far as getting a role player who knows how to defend, who has a lot of length and size, and who could probably one day be a shooter, he's a guy who should fit in just about any situation, and especially in Orlando with with now Suggs. Uh, he should be a guy who who should help him on both ends of the court. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Isaiah, you got to be kidding me. He did not say that. Hold on. Did Perk actually say that the Lakers are Westbrook's team now? I need to. I'll write it down, but I do not. Someone please get us a video. Because this is the problem is you guys can type anything into this chat right now of what he said, and I'm going to believe it. Okay. So don't mess with me. Do not mess with me on this. I don't know if Suggs equals AI is Al Jefferson or Allen Iverson. I don't know what that is right now, but I got to I go. Okay. Now I feel like the commenters are just screwing Andre us. Iguodala. Maybe Andre Iguodala. Um, Bo, what do you like? Do you like the Franz Wagner pick so far? I like it. Wow. I think, I, I, again, I just think everything they're doing. <laughs> Allen right. Iverson for per- right. Oh, Wow, that's a oh wow. Okay, a new perk one. This is great. Okay. Um, no, I like Good it. Lord. Perk is stealing the show. He is. He's, He's really stealing out. our show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've been in the perk. No, I like I like it for Orlando and it to kind of just piggyback on what Jay said, which already annoys me because I'm agreeing with Jay. So far, Stuff, like yeah, they've nailed crazy. it with with their two picks. You know, just adding for them, they just need to start adding talent. Like when you look at Orlando, which I know is your favorite team, Zach, you know, when you look at them, it's like, I don't have a sense of what are they, you know? And and they basically said they got rid of all their, their talented guys. Right now. I do actually like them. They don't have that dead ass, you know, terrible core anymore of Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Vucevic. They can actually try to build to win some games now. Right. And, and, but now you have a centerpiece though with Jalen Suggs, right? Like you have a guy that like, we're, that's, this is our guy. Everything else now has to work around him. And I think that's something we, they, they tried it with other guys, didn't work out. I think now getting the chance to reboot, great start for them and sort of the rebuild opportunity. Yeah. Sam, what do we think about, um, about, Wagner as a as a shooter like because the percentage is what like 31% as a freshman 34% as a as a sophomore but he is a good free throw shooter which is typically an indicator that you're going to figure it out 
Yeah, pretty streaky right now. I think he needs to improve his overall uh, shot prep a little bit. I think he'll be fine as a shooter. I- I'm more uh, actually like this. I'd heard Orlando uh, with Wagner like mm-hmm. throughout the process. I thought that was like a pretty real uh, possible outcome. The Kings just took Dav- Davion Mitchell. That is confusing. That's as an interesting one. Bleep right there because you have De'Aaron Fox and you you killed it with Tyrese Halliburton last year, right? Great pick to fall to twelve. Mitchell, just, just I like Mitchell, my, but just they're loading up on point guards. Just setting up my Dennis Schroeder sign and trade, Sam. They're loading up on point guards. It's like the Timberwolves under David Kahn. Back, back again. Yeah, That's always is... the comparison you want to hear. That's <laughs> Davion Mitchell, the manna from heaven. My my text messages right now in the last three minutes. Wow. Wow. With three W's. What is happening uh, with like the Jim Halpert GIF? Yeah. And another wow. Now, Sam, uh, so- now, Sam, are those in regards to the picks or the perk alerts? Which, what's the, what do you know? What that was the Davion, okay. Davion Mitchell pick. Who's that one? Uh, I, yeah, this is not one that I had even remotely heard. Everyone out of Sacramento had kind of been telling me or anyone who talked about Sacramento to me kind of thought that this would be one of Alperin Shengun or yeah. Franz Wagner, who was obviously off the board here. Uh, I'm surprised because Monty McNair comes from more of an analytics background with the Houston Rockets. And if you've looked at any of the models, if you've talked to anyone within uh, analytics departments within the NBA, Davion Mitchell does not really feature that highly because his shooting is a bit of a one-year wonder so far. And I think he's going to shoot it. And I actually really like Davion Mitchell. I had him as a top 10 player in the class because I think that someone who has his kind of competitiveness and aggressiveness and work ethic, those are the guys that kind of break aging curve models. And I think he is someone that's probably going to break the aging curve model and be a starting caliber point guard. But man, I, uh, this one, this one took me by surprise. Well, because yeah, I like, I'd heard this kind of the same things you heard from Sacramento, right? Like Franz Wagner, who maybe because he's off the board, they're like, all right, this is our next, our next, you know, highest rated guy. But I also heard Shangun was, was kind of the dude and considering like they don't have big men, right? Like Rashawn mm-hmm. Holmes is going to be a free agent. Like I can't imagine he's going back to Sacramento. Maybe, maybe I'll be wrong on that, but I can't imagine he's going to resign in Sacramento. Um, maybe Shangun's not your big man of the future, but it doesn't seem like Marvin Bagley is either. So like I, this feels like the opposite of a need. It's, yeah. It's, I did not does. want I did not want to hate the Davion Mitchell pick because I love Mitchell. <laughs> I love his game. Yeah, so do I. I. I love his toughness. I love how much better he got in college. I love that nobody can keep him out of the paint. I love so much about Davion Mitchell. I just have no idea how he fits into what Sacramento is building. And like, and it, it it doesn't make sense to play him with Fox. It doesn't make sense to play him with Fox and Halliburton for sure. Like what, what is the long-term vision there? Or is there no long-term vision because they're the Kings? Well, they're the Kings. So starting, starting with that. <laughs> right. But I think one thing that might've been int- intriguing for them was he is a good defensive guard, right? Like they don't have any defense in their backcourt from there. Yep. So that's, that's my, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, okay, w- what do we need? This guy plays defense. 
let's go draft. I don't like the pick for, for Sacramento either. I'm King just trying to come up with the, the reasoning as to why. And it's, you know, that's probably I mean, here's the, the here's the reason to. they're the Kings. All right. Like you could, you could <laughs> change the, the coach, you could change the, the executives, but they're still the Kings. Like you can't unkings the Kings. I will say this. I'm a little bit worried about the pairing of De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell together just because they're very small. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, I would imagine Davion's going to have to guard up the lineup onto bigger wings in that case. For sure. Uh, yeah. And certainly he's going to have to guard up the lineup. Like, he's six foot two with a six foot four wingspan. He's probably going to be the guy that's guarding the threes in those three point guard lineups they play with Good Halliburton point. and with Fox because Halliburton isn't strong enough to deal with them yet. Weren't they so, just one of the worst defenses in history? And now no, they're going to get even no, smaller. The worst, the worst yeah, defense in NBA really history. Bad. But yeah. he, he can guard. That's not hyperbole. You, you like can't that, play, be that small. You can't, I mean, by the way, we, we have another pick that's fun. Okay, hit us with it. Zaire Williams attend to Memphis. So that's the that's the reason they traded up. Is Zaire Williams. Uh, like it, maybe because Giddy's like off that. the board at that point? Yeah, I would imagine it had to do with the fact that uh Giddy and Wagner is another name I heard right. there, yes. uh, are off the board. Uh I love it, actually. I would have had him very high on Memphis's board. And the reason for that is the thing that they need more than anything right now is a big wing shot creator who can create his own shot off of pull-ups. Zaire Williams can do that. He is six foot nine. He has great body control. He has a ridiculous step back pull-up game. They need a big shot creator next to John Morant, who I don't feel super great about at the end of shot clocks. Maybe Zaire Williams works. Maybe he doesn't work. Like he, he might end up being out of the NBA within five years, but Memphis should trust their development system because it's been so good so far. Uh, and they also have so many veteran younger players at this point, right. like Xavier Tillman, Desmond Bain, um, DeAnthony Melton. Yeah, these guys are in their early 20s, but they're older and mature guys that can step into rotation roles right now and have already done so. So I have no problem with them taking this risk. I had Zaire Williams as a top 15 guy. I love it. I absolutely love it for the Grizzlies. They also have so many great athletes. Mm-hmm. Like like adding him to John Morant, to Brandon Clark, to a, a lot of the Jaron Jackson. Like they just have a lot of mobile guys with length who can run and jump. And in Zaire Williams's case, hopefully do a little scoring at the end of a shot clock. So yeah, I, I like this fit for Memphis a lot. Um, my issue with Zaire Williams, so I, I do like him a, a lot. I like guys that can create his size is I don't like his jumper. I think it's like, it's sure. a weird low release. And I don't like that for guys trying to create space. Now it doesn't mean they can't fix it. It doesn't mean he can't get it off. Cause he is super quick. He can handle the rock and he's very athletic. So I like, I, I can see what you're saying about that step back. Cause I think he'll create the space there, but with a low jumper like that, you have to create so much more space. And that's yeah. my concern is that, all right, now you've added another dude who I don't think can shoot. And I like, I know their shooting was, was probably better than you expect last year as a team, but I don't know that I trust it. Like I, I never want yeah. Dylan Brooks to be like one of my main outside shooters, you know? Well, I think the thing is they're going to take a step back this year. I think that it's very underrated how important Jonas Valanciunas was to their offense because 
again, John Moran is not a great like end of shot clock guy right now. Jaron Jackson is best running off of screens, running off of movement, back cutting, uh, creating shots that way. Jonas Valanciunas, like getting him on the block, like off of a seal, off of a pick and roll or something like that, or, you know, as a post up hitting that like little, you know, turnaround jumper that he can hit or just like bullying someone down uh, into a hook shot. That was actually kind of a big part of their offense last year. Yeah, it was. And with, without that, I think they're probably going to struggle to score points. And I think they're probably going to struggle to score points because uh, Zaire Williams is probably not going to be ready to play this year. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think if we're looking at the long game with Memphis, which I think we should be now, because none of their young guys seem particularly unhappy there. Uh, none of their young guys seem like they're at risk of asking out. I think they're in a good spot. I, I, I think it's fine to take a long range view with this pick and, and go in with someone like Zaire Williams. Now we'll see what they do in the offseason. I think I think they're betting on Jaron Jackson Jr. having a healthy year. You know, when you kind of yeah. look at the way he kind of came into it last year, really late into like April, you know, it was just sort of like last year was just kind of a throwaway year for him. I think they're just betting on when they made that trade and 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 sent Valanciunas off. You know, I think they're just saying like, "Hey, it's your turn, Jaron. Go to work." Right. You know, and I think it's now it's a scary bet. We don't we don't have much to really rely on. I'm sure they're seeing stuff and they're they're confident in it. And along you, everything you said, Sam, about their development program, I think they're just ready to say like, "Hey, Jaron Jackson Jr. is not going to rise if we're going to keep giving the ball to Jonas Valanciunas. You know, we got to give him more touches and more opportunities." He's, and I think maybe that's floor. what they're betting on. He's got to be on the floor, though. That's the thing, right? That's like Jaron Jackson Jr. is great. Like he's legitimately going to be a great big man, but. He can't, he's got to play. That's my concern with it. It's just like he's he hasn't been healthy or even close to healthy at this point. And so, like, I don't like, look, you can't necessarily just worry too much about health and not try to get pieces and everything. But if Jaron Jackson Jr. is not healthy, then like they don't have a choice but to take a, a step back at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash NBA show 23 and get started. Well, that we solved that. There we go. <laughs> that one, the, that one ended on a whimper. Right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know. We need a perk alert. Yeah, we need a perk alert. Uh, we have the, the Charlotte Hornets are about to select. And we get word of uh, we're getting James Booknight, it looks like, is, is going to be the, the pick. He had been rumored to go as high as six to the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. I love Book Night. 
He's a scorer. He's you a shooter. <laughs> he's like, like he's, he's everything Zach people hope Malik Monk was going to be, right? Like he, this Monk's, dude, he's a bucket. Don't, yeah, he, don't, he's, don't yeah unfortunately, him. it's an empty bucket, but you're right. He is a bucket. Um, I think with, <laughs> with book night, like, I, like the dude's super athletic. I think he's got crazy bounce. He's quick. He can get anywhere. I love the way he adjusts. I love the speed he goes at. I love that he is not afraid to shoot the ball no matter what the situation is. Like I'm all in on James Booknight. I love the pick of putting him next to LaMelo. I love the pick of putting him next to Miles Bridges and PJ Washington. Like, I just love this Hornets team. Yeah. No, I, I'm going to go put a Hornets shirt, up, shirt on. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, no, I just. Big Mason Plumley guy over here. Yeah, yeah. It made the trade to get Mason Plumley, you know, and and and, and kind of try to fill their center spot, although that's still yet to be determined with Plumley. But just exciting league pass team, right? And everything that goes along with it. But Sam, you're the one that knows more about Book Night than me. So go ahead and let everybody know what he's gonna bring. Yeah, I think Zach did a really good job kind of laying it out. He is a real scoring threat at the end of the day. That's what he does best. He can string together four or five counters off of reading defenders and can just find a way to separate what away from defenders in a really terrific way. On top of that, I think he's the best finisher at the rim among the guards in this class. Uh, his ability to extend and finish, his ability to hang in the air, he has He's not quite like an elite leaper by NBA standards, but he's definitely an above average leaper who will throw down some very high level dunks. Uh, I'm a fan of this pick. I think that they could use a real secondary scorer long term next mm-hmm. to LaMelo Ball. Uh, it, it makes sense to me. I like it. Love I think he's a gamer too. Like it's not just that he's a scorer, it's that he's tough. That's all and, and can, he can manufacture those tough buckets in addition to like, the, the like pull up, pull step backs, stuff like that. The thing to me about him that's going to really decide whether he's great in the league or maybe inefficient is a three point shot. He shot like yeah. 29% his sophomore year at UConn. And some of that is shot selection. Some of that is the way he's guarded, but he has a lot to prove as far as his shot. And it, it looks smooth. It looks like it should go in a lot more than it did in college. And we could look back and it's like one of those Bradley Beal type things where everyone right. said he was a great shooter. And I think he shot like 32 or 33% at Florida. And yeah, he turned out to be a great shooter, but book night like has, has to do that too, to get that at least to a respectable number, 35, 36 or something like that to be a great scorer in the NBA. I'm, I'm offended. You guys thought I was going to a bathroom break when I was literally just going, I have like two NBA shirts. It's this, and it's a Seattle supersonic shirt. And I was at once book night was gone. I was like, ah, oh, I might as well put the shirt on. You know, I almost wore it for this whole thing. I'm offended that you guys thought that you can I would get offended. Announce. Didn't know I can get offended. I know. There you go. Um, <laughs> and so th- this James book night pick should be celebrated. And what I like about this is, all right, Malik Monk did have a good year, right? He finally had a Big good year in the NBA. Bucket. Give but him his he's respect. also the contract year, right? Like right. the Hornets of all franchises could get tricked into like, ah, shit, we need, now we need to like re-sign Malik Monk because he's good now, right? And we've invested all this time in him. With Book Night, like you don't need to do that. Like you you don't need to do that. And and I, I think he can play right away. Like Terry Rozier is going to be a free agent after this se- after this coming season. Um, you know, he had a great year, but you you maybe don't want to invest in him long term with all this. Like, I, I just think this gives Charlotte so many options to score efficiently moving forward. I believe in his jumper. Um, I do feel like I was about to make the Bradley Beal comparison in terms of didn't go in, in college 
uh, we have a perk alert. What happened? What's the what's the <laughs> latest? What's the, it's just like it got not, one. It's the only thing I will allow to derail. That's a it. Point. He was just standing Moses Moody. What is That's, that? But what, that was what the most disappointing I, perk yeah. alert. Yeah. Well, we don't well, know how he did. We <laughs> Moses Moody is one of the five prospects the Perk has seen this year because he did the uh, Clutch Sports Pro Day. So oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Let, let's let's look at the idea of of Zaire Williams over Moses Moody, and sure. and and James Booknight over Moses Moody. Sam, like, what what is the? Because Moody seemed like he was really gaining momentum here over the last week or so to be eighth to to um to Orlando even as high as that. So so what's the what's the issue with Moody versus these guys? It's just not as athletic. Doesn't have that uh explosiveness that NBA teams look for. Doesn't have that ability off the bounce in the way that James Booknight does to be able to go get his own shot in a creative way on an island against NBA length and athleticism. You know what, though? Moses Moody, at the end of the day, this guy can knock down threes and he's a very high level defender at six foot six with seven foot one wingspan. I ended up with Moses at number seven on my board. I really like him a lot. I understand why teams are worried. I do think the upside is a little bit muted, but I don't I don't know. Like, I, I think that. I think that that's where teams are kind of falling back on Moody. And in regard to like Zaire Williams, right? I think it's a situation where Memphis just needs to take a swing. Another percolator. Another percolator? What is it? We just had one. We just had one. Right. No, was that a false alarm? Is that just the end? This is a false um, alarm. Okay, it's a false alarm. There we go. Oh my God. Jade, you got to be careful with that percolator. You can't just, you know, it's like, like going to DEFCON 2. Like, you can't do that. Like, that's, that's, that's a lot. Um, with Memphis, I think it just is a case where they need to take a swing on upside with a high-level shot creator, and at the end of the day, Zaire Williams is a really good swing to take. Uh, I would expect Moody's going to come off the board in the next couple picks. That would be a surprise yeah. if he didn't. So we, ju- we just had a, one of the viewers say um, Kai Jones to the Spurs calling it. I love Kai Jones. I thought like he's one of my favorites on the on, on my big board. Like I, I, I think that he should have been considered for the Kings at nine, like I, I'm, I'm in on Kai Jones. What's the drawback to Kai Jones? Uh, low feel for the game right now, kind of yeah. on both ends of the court. Doesn't really know how to make passing reads. I wouldn't feel super comfortable with him running like high level dribble handoffs yet. I wouldn't feel comfortable with him in short roll scenarios yet, making the right four on three reads. And then defensively, it, it's all over the map. I mean, he is an incredible athlete. Like if you can get the right coaching staff in there to be able to teach him where he needs to go and what he needs to read and how he needs to read it. He could be a legit switch defender out on to like slower point guards and better wings. And then on top of it could also be uh, a legit weak side rim protector, but he needs to get stronger on top of it. So I think that there's a lot there that he needs to kind of work through to reach his athletic ceiling. Do we have another perk alert or is this another? Uh we got we got a uh... <laughs> perk wants the Spurs to take Dayron Sharp. Okay, uh, all right, <laughs> Sam. Uh, like Dayron Sharp might be a, a solid big way, man prospect, like a good just, backup big. What he just said is only like slightly crazier than what the Spurs actually did. All right, what did the Spurs do? What do we got they here? Took Josh Primo. No. <laughs> Wow. 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 So Josh Primo is like an end of first round, early second round guard. Like I, I like him. 
I didn't like him at 12. That one, I don't even know what to say about that. Like, I get, I get it that he is a uh, real shooter at six foot six. Like, uh-huh. I think he's going to hit yeah. 38, yeah, yeah, 40 yeah. from three, probably. He has, he some, shoot. A, has some ability off the bounce, and he is a real tenacious mindset that you can project defensively at some point. I mean, he didn't do anything like that this year at Alabama. He was basically just a spot up guy and that was kind of it. Um this is th- this is a this is like the typical he had to have gone there for a workout in the Spurs just like fell in love move because right. there's no real at least on tape there is no real reason to take him at 12. So so these are things that I've heard and in, in maybe some are smoke screens or whatever, but like I heard that Derek White and DeJounte Murray are gettable, right? Like it's like the Spurs are open to moving them. They're not actively shopping them, but they're open to moving them. Um, if that's the case and they feel like they're moving DeMar De, or they're losing DeMar DeRozan in free agency, um, then I get the idea of taking a guard, taking a wing, you know, trying to get some new blood in there and, and maybe you like a guy. But I just feel like this is a this is a trade down move. Yeah, it just makes the most sense yeah. if you're if you're really in love with this guy. You, you could go, have gotten oh, him in the twenties, man. Like that's you could have, you could have gotten nineteen and, and, and twenty one from the Knicks. You could yeah. have. I mean, they wanted to jump up. Like there's just so many teams that are looking for an opportunity to jump up. Into Hawks wanted to move lottery. up. Yeah, Hawks wanted to Hawks, move. You could have gotten Cam Reddish in twenty. Like like you what like it just. I don't know. Like, I, I'm sorry. I'm broke. Like, my brain broke. I, I don't understand it. I'm always a fan of taking a guy who's like the fifth or sixth best player on his college team, 12th overall. Yeah. That, that's a nice move. Um, but he is young. He is young and he does have upside, but it's going to take a no. while to be realized. Can I ask Sam a question? No. Sam, yeah. who is your best? <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Who's, your, who's the best player available to you right now? That, one that, of that, Moses Moody or Alperin Shangun. Can we talk about Shangun? What? Yeah. Tell tell us about him, just because we haven't really heard much about him. Yeah. So elite uh, numbers over in Europe this year. He played in Turkey, which is probably the second best domestic single country league over in Europe. At least the second most lucrative. Let's call it. Uh, Discounting Euro League, discounting Euro Cup, you know, Adriatic League, all of those multi-country leagues, right? Uh, the Turkish League is very strong. And he won MVP of that league at 18 years old this year. He has incredible hands. He has incredible touch around the basket. He has great feel for where to sink into space and be able to uh, get his shot. The question is defensively, what do you do with him? Because he's a bit undersized. I think he's more between six foot 10 and six foot 11 than like the six foot nine that he's been reported as. Um, that's a little bit small, even still to be a center though, especially when you don't have elite length. And on top of that, he doesn't have great quickness. So I think teams are trying to figure out where do we put Alper and Shengun on the court defensively that works essentially. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Um, we have another pick in the Indiana Pacers are going to take Chris Duarte out of Oregon. Another guy I love. Shooter, scorer, guard, love Duarte. Like, I think that this kid can hoop. I actually thought that uh, until they until they moved up, I thought I thought Memphis was or until they moved up to 10, I should say. I thought Memphis was going to try to key in on him because I love the idea of of him on that team. Um, but Duarte, like. I, I just I think he's one of the best shooters in the in the draft, one of the best scorers in the draft. And you know me, I love me. I think uh, we had Dave in our Dave DeFore in our uh, in our private chat mentioned Marshawn Brooks earlier. I love Marshawn Brooks at the time too, man. Like you got some <laughs> legends here. Of course you did. You've got a type. Yeah. I, do, have a type. I have a type. If you shoot yeah, the ball, does. like I have a type for sure. All shots. Doesn't no even defense. matter if you make. Just shoot the ball. <laughs> no, no, no. I know you do have to make. I you need to make a decent amount or miss with flair. If you miss and, the player, I'll forgive it. Man, Chris, Chris Duarte isn't like that shot happy. He took like 11 shots a game this year. Uh, <laughs> like It's not uh, like Marshawn at Providence chalking up like 40 shots a game. Uh, yeah, no, I really like Chris Duarte because he's a 40% three-point shooter who defends at a high level and can mm-hmm. step into a rotation spot immediately. Uh, the Pacers certainly are under pressure, that front office is at least, to win games yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And a guy like Chris Duarte just makes a lot of sense for them, I think, especially if they end up not moving this pick throughout the week. I'd kind of like been told to watch for that. Uh, yeah, that they've been very active within trade discussions, but having decided that they didn't find a deal that was suitable, apparently Chris Duarte makes total sense for them. He will slot in uh, as their probably third guard this year and be very, very good. He's such Jay a Pacers Whip- pick. Like he is a Pacers, a Pacers pick, pick. Yeah. Well, that's like what I was going to ask you, Jay. Like he's, not gonna, it, he's not going to be a miss as a prospect. He's just going to be a solid NBA player. I don't think he'll be a lot more than that. Yeah. But but it was a very Pacers pick. Like, let's take this safe pick at number 13 and get someone who can help. Well, Jay, I, I'm curious. Like, what do we do with this Pacers roster at this point? Because it, man, like, obviously, Nate McMillan got a raw deal. Nate Bjorkman did not. Nate Bjorkman was hated like pretty quickly in the process. Like you get, there's some, some Bayline vibes there. So, you know, we got, we got a little bit of that, but, um, but in terms of like what they have, okay, you have some real scoring power, you know, Sabonis and, and TJ Warren, when he's healthy coming back from that foot, um, you know, Karis LeVert, Malcolm Brogdon, like they have some dudes that can score, but it doesn't also feel like a great offensive team. Duarte will add to that a little bit, but I, I just, I, I like their individual pieces. I don't like them together. If they had one premium creator, it would make everything look so much better because right now Brogdon is that guy for them or Levert is that guy for them. And they're both capable of making plays, but it's not like they can break down a defense and, and pick, pick their poison and really dissect you. If they just had one of those guys, every other piece on that roster would fit so well yeah. from Sabonis on down. Uh, but but they are that guy away. And- I mean, that's unfortunately that was supposed to be Victor Oladipo, right? And then yeah. he gets hurt, right. and then that, that that everything goes into a tailspin. Then now, and that's kind of the danger of just building around the one guy. Now, like you know, with that situation where you lose Oladipo to an injury, then eventually trade him, and everything that goes on to it. Now the team is just a whole bunch of role players, a whole bunch of guys that look great. And as you said, Jay, just need that one dude. And I mean, obviously, Duarte is not that guy, but it's I don't know how they get that guy. And that's really okay. kind of my biggest question. Can we play a game with the last 
two players to be picked. So Josh Primo yeah. and Chris Duarte. Yeah. How many months passed from the time that Chris Duarte was born to when Josh Primo was born? Oh, this is. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, 57. Oh, that's, that's, a guess. that's a good guess. I'm going to say 62. Okay. Mo? Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to go 50. 66. Wow. <laughs> wow. Five years and six months. This is like when, uh, when Martel Webster and Wesley Johnson ended up on the same team and we found out they're like four months apart or something like that. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> Five, same, those people are in the same draft five years and six months difference that's like a full rookie wow. scale contract and a half yeah, almost. Yes. Like, wow man that's um that's a shocking stat that's crazy that is 66 crazy. months of difference between the back-to-back picks there um yeah. in so, terms in terms of what kevin pritchard like Kevin Pritchard's got to be on. To, to be, in Primo's right? defense, he probably would have been a good senior at Oregon like five years from now. <laughs> he would have you know been dope. He would have been dope for sure. Um, looks like yeah. uh, Moses Moody to the Warriors. I love this pick. This might be my favorite pick outside of Book Night to the to the Hornets of the yeah. of the first round um, so far. Uh, Moody, as we talked about earlier, really good three and D guy. Um, Sam, like it, it, this. Him, like, putting Moody on this team, like, Moody can play now, right? We talked about Kuminga earlier of maybe he's going to take some time and shouldn't get minutes, but Moody can slide in right now, which I actually think takes a ton of pressure off Kuminga. Yeah, I think that's right. I think Moses is going to be able to slot right in as a 3 and D guy pretty early in a similar way to what Sadiq Bey did this year. You might Mm -hmm. not put up similar numbers to Bay just because Bay got a lot more usage, but just a similar role in terms of being able to make open threes and play smart, high-level defense. Uh, I mean, look, uh, I had heard a lot of rumors throughout the past couple of weeks that the Warriors were considering Moses Moody at 7. For them to get him at 14 is an enormous... Like, they have to feel right now like they have done everything uh, they could have within this draft right now. This, This is a great draft by the Warriors. And, this draft is drunk. Like, I don't know, like, the way this draft has gone well, on today. It's, it's, well, it's a bit wild. No, you're 100% right. And I think that it's important to note here that all of these teams, other than maybe the Warriors, because we kind of knew the guys that were on the Warriors list, clearly did, like, a pretty good job of masking their intentions from the media. Uh I, I'm I'm pretty impressed right now in terms of just the the uh, expectation of what we thought we knew a little bit about, but we clearly just didn't know what these teams were going to do. Like the Spurs taking Josh Primo has totally broken my brain in a lot of ways. Like that <laughs> is uh, that that is a choice that like Cam Thomas averaged 23 points a game playing in the same league this year. And I'm not even like a big Cam Thomas guy, but like I Josh Primo averaged like eight points a game this year in that league. I love Cam Thomas. Of course you do. Like- <laughs> obviously. Uh, obviously. I love Cam Thomas. He should have gotten number one. Um, you yeah, know that, that's kind of where I'm at on this. Yeah. Like uh, I had Josh Primo like 35 on my board because I think he's going to take a long time to get there right now. Um, Man, we have we have a lot. Um, 
you know, of surprises here in the, in the, in the lottery, but I want to talk about this, Sam, uh, in terms because I'm a big Jalen Johnson guy. I think Jalen Johnson's really good. I don't give a shit that he left Duke early. Like I I'm, I'm in on Jalen Johnson. If you were gonna like go high upside and you're the Spurs, I thought he was a great fit for the Spurs. What am I missing on Jalen Johnson? If you were going to go high upside, I get that, right? I didn't think Jalen Johnson was very good this year, even in like the time he did play at Duke. He stunk, uh, man. I'm, I'm a Duke fan, <laughs> and he was bad. Like, no, Duke I, I stunk, sh- man. Forget Duke. Like, because he stunk. No, that program's washed. Get out of here. He's great out in transition and can make high level passing reads out there. Totally agree with that. Uh, I thought he was really bad and lackadaisical defensively. Uh, there's been a lot of talk of him being like a switchable high level defender. Look, he has the body type to do it, but it doesn't bear itself out on tape at the end of the day. And that worries me on top of that, uh, doesn't really shoot it well. And there are a lot of clips of him trying to like isolate onto centers this year. Like I've shared the one of Kofi Coburn on social media and he just like couldn't blow by in an Island. So I'm worried about Jalen Johnson. I'm not like an enormous fan of his. I totally get the appeal, but just not, not really my player type, I guess I would say. Um, Mo for, for a guy that like Jalen Johnson, who a lot of hype, Right. A lot of hype and then a lot of disappointment. You know, a lot of a lot of people I talked to did not like the fact that he left Duke. It wasn't even so much the play at Duke. Like they didn't like the fact that he that he kind of quit on on that or, or decided to leave and, and protect his his stock and protect his his draft prospects. And maybe it ended up hurting them. For me, I kind of thought we were in this era of like, no, we believe in the player empowerment. We're, we're done with this college system quite a bit. Like people were going to support that. That doesn't seem to be the case. Can, well, I, can I take that one real quick? Just real yeah, go quick. For it. Yeah. Um, think about who runs NBA teams. It's like all old white dudes. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Like I would, go, <laughs> I would go one higher. I'd go a little bit different level though. I'd go if he left Texas A and M, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal, right? Right. You but we're still pretending Duke. Duke's a great program. Yeah. Right. Duke, okay, Mike Krzyzewski, yeah. all of that. Like everybody kind of goes beyond that into this is the right. the thing. There are certain programs. Like if he left Kansas, I think the same thing would have happened. You know, if he left Roy Williams in North Carolina, same thing kind of happens when you, when you do that, it, it, it the, the, they're kind of like the college deities, right? Like, you know, if you left Tom Izzo, everybody would start immediately going like, well, if you couldn't play for Izzo, you couldn't play for Shusevsky, you can't play for us type deal. And I think sometimes that, that skews the uh, sort of just the evaluation you're going to make as, in the scouting department because you're going to do heavy sure. checking. You're going to do heavy, you know, research on why did he leave? What's the story? You know, and I think that's something that I don't think people fully understand. The deep background check that teams do on these guys and trying yeah. to get intel. I mean, they go, I mean, they go, sometimes I would hear stuff in the, hey, the per video. Room. I'd be like, we know about this. Hey, man, I mean, I mean, Al Hassan's told stories like that was part of his job, right. In, in this whole process was finding out the stuff people wouldn't want you to find out about. Um, it's what makes the movie draft day so accurate. You know, it's why I ride for it. So I think Kevin Costner made a banger. Uh, we oh, have it's a, a great movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, we have another pick in. Uh, Jay, no time to respond to that. Uh, we have another pick <laughs> in. We have the Wizards at 15 going Corey Kispert. I think that 
this was kind of an, an obvious direction, even after the Russell Westbrook trade, maybe especially after the Russell Westbrook trade. Um, I look at him and I'm like, okay, for your dude, he can obviously shoot solid score. I don't know how much of that translates to the NBA level. I, the shooting will, um, I, I feel like Sam, you're, you're a little, or you're, you're definitely higher on him than I am in terms of like the team aspects of team defense and, and where he fits in on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I think he's a great shooter. I think he's the best shooter in the class. Uh, defensively, I really worry about what he does on ball. If you go back and watch that national title game, Baylor was very comfortable attacking yeah, him. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Baylor was very, very comfortable finding him in space and trying to get him off the bounce, either to get to a pull-up or to blow by. So, yeah, I'm a little bit worried about that, but I think he's a smart defender. He's a little bit more athletic than what he gets credit for. I think people just look at okay. like, you know, six foot seven, 230 pound white that dude. <laughs> and he think that like, he's not a leaper, but he is like a power dunker at times. And I, I, uh, I like the pick a lot. It's a great fit. I think for the, what the wizards need, especially if, uh, some of the, I think I saw a report earlier today that Davis Bertans may be available. Uh, if they move Bertans, they certainly need another shooter. I think they needed yeah. another shooter anyway, just because this team did not really have many last year outside of Bertans, uh, and Garrison Matthews. If we remove Bradley Beal from the equation. Yeah. I, right. I think, I think the Wizards, obviously the Russell Westbrook trade is going to get headlines for Russell departing, but I think they've actually done a lot to fortify their wings today absolutely they got kcp they got kuzma they've got kispert now and and this is a team that really needed to load up on twos and threes because they weren't big enough on the wing and they they needed that for their defense they needed another shooter they got it in kispert i think even though they lost westbrook today the wizards might actually be better off for next season after the moves they've made to do what to to, bear, to 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 make to, just the to, to get game. like the, the, no, the seven or why, eight. Seed. But why did they barely make the playing game? It's because they they couldn't put a, a team on the court for a month. You know, right. like I, I think mean, that team. But I think that team was better than people gave them credit for. Like that team was good when it was healthy. Yeah, no, I'm with you, Zach. I think going. You look at everything that happened to them at the start of the season, not just the 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 whole COVID scenario, but you know, Russ didn't start the season well at all and and wasn't healthy you have all of that going into it there was a lot of just moving parts and in and guys in and out of the lineups no practices and everything that goes with it you saw what they did in the second half now i don't think it's like oh this is an amazing team we saw what russ did in the playoffs and everything like that but ultimately like to me with the trade even with kispert you know i look at the team and i go like cool they're just kind of the same team with different parts like i don't see them getting that much higher it wasn't like Wow, we moved Westbrook, and now we've, we're, we're going to make a leap. And I know people are saying, like, we're a much better team now. Like, no, you just got more pieces, but you're going to be the same, right? But I, but I think that if it's the same as what they were when they were healthy, and granted, like Russ was good for them last year. He was Russ was Russ was really, really good for them last year, especially the last like two and a half months of the season. Like he was unbelievable, and that's he's a big reason. Obviously, Beal's great. He's a big reason they were able to go on that surge to finish the season like like they did but okay like let's say they're able to move Russ and still remain a team that is in the playing tournament mix and then maybe even a little higher depending on if teams can fall or teams climb or whatever like I think that's an accomplishment I think as long as you remain competitive you keep and you keep building you keep fleshing out that roster you keep Bradley Beal engaged 
right? Like Bradley Beal apparently does not have interest in leaving right now. That's a win. The fact that we're there can after we, two can years. Can we explain why? Could someone explain why Bradley Beal does not want to leave? Hey, man, he just likes it. I don't know what to tell you. Like he likes it there. I, I, if I were Bradley Beal, I would have asked out like three hey, years man. ago. You get as many shots years. as you want. Like it's, I get it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd want to. Yeah, it's, I'd want to go somewhere and win. I'd want to go somewhere and have a chance. I, I, I don't know why Bradley Beal continues to stay in that situation and not request a trade. Yeah. I mean, he's it's it's the whole thing. Like everybody's saying, like Giannis won a championship with the Bucks and things like that. But look at the pieces around Giannis that the Bucks won and got this year, right? Like they went and sure. got, you know. Drew Holiday. They had Chris Middleton. They were a team that was on the cusp the past few years. This team has been so far away from the cusp. Right. Well, they've been on the cusp. They've been on the cusp of the playoffs. That's because you know, that's because John Wall like injured himself yeah. like nine times in a row. Like, they, yeah, I'm like, not blaming. I'm not blaming Beal or anything. It's just bad luck yeah, in the way these things sure. have turned out. And it's like, so I just laugh at the the, the whole thing where like Beal's looking at that, going like, okay. And now I'm looking at Kyle Kuzma, going like, yeah, man. You're, I mean, you're, you're who's going to like, who's, who's get his shots, right? Who's going to get his shots? Um, I do want to bring this up because we had some comments there and obviously a very touching tribute to, to Terrence Clark, who, who passed away tragically uh, at the age of, was he 20? I think he had just turned 20 or he's about to turn 20. Um, Sam, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't want to do a weird thing here, but like he was, this was a kid that was beloved. Like everyone loved his energy. He was a nice prospect. Like th- this was, this was an, like kind of a, just an unbelievable loss for, for people that were really, really seemed touched by, by, you know, a teenager. Yeah. Really, uh, really energetic kid, uh, really bubbly personality. Everyone who kind of came into contact with him absolutely, uh, you know, had great things to say and yeah, it's, it's incredibly tragic. The, the last year, uh, just, unfortunately did not go well at Kentucky for him. Uh, you know, had an injury and, you know, I think had like a, um, you know, it got injured again, essentially with the same injury and wasn't able to return in the way that he thought. And then, Mm -hmm. um, declares for the draft goes out to Los Angeles and unfortunately gets in a terrible car accident. Um, yeah, would have been something in the range of a top 40 pick at the end of the day, I think, um, a really athletic kid that, uh, just unfortunately, he's going to get a chance to play in the NBA, which uh, I mean, people who saw him when he was young, I mean, he was Jay will know even better than I will, because, you know, being in the Boston area, that's where Terrence is from. Uh, you know, I, he's something of a uh, I don't want to say like a legend up there, but definitely a guy you, that was. You can definitely say legend. Well no, people love you can definitely right, say. Yeah. So my best friend coached him when he was a freshman in high school. And so I, I went to a few of their games. And even at that age, he was like six five, long as hell. He came off the bench for them, but you knew he was just going to be special. And for for him, like obviously, he he passed away way too soon. He was one of those guys who just kind of made an impact. It seemed everywhere he went on the people that he he touched. And I know from what my best friend said about him, he's just super positive. All the Celtics players, like he worked out with Jason Tatum. He worked out with Jalen Brown. Like he was close with a lot of people, not just on that team, but in that organization. And, and so it it really, really hit the Celtics hard when, when he passed away um, because of how much love they had for him, because some of those guys looked at him like a little brother who they wanted to, to mentor and help, help bring him to, to becoming you know, a long time NBA player. And, and it's just so, so sad. Um, 
just because of how good a kid he seemed like. And it would be sad anyway, but but man, it just really, really hit home because of how many people he was able to impact. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's no easy way to transition back to this draft after that topic. So we'll just say that we have news. The uh, the Rockets are taking uh, Alperin Shingun at 16 after trading with the Thunder. I don't think we have the details of that trade yet, but this is a guy that um, that Sam, like you, you're obviously very high on. I've seen play a little bit. I tried to deep dive as much as I could, but I'm not going to pretend to be the expert on him that, that you are. So why don't you tell us like, do you like this pick for, for Houston? He's going to obviously be in the mix with Christian Wood for a little bit as the, as the big man. Like what, what does this pick mean for, for Houston as they trade up for him? Yeah. Uh, number eight player on my board this uh, year. And a guy that I think is probably going to score 18 to 20 points a game at some point. Uh, in his career. He is that good offensively. He has that kind of touch, that kind of feel for how to find the open areas. On top of that, he's a really underrated uh, playmaker with the ball in his hands. He can actually drive and you know go in a straight line, take centers off the bounce with ease. Uh, more athletic than what he gets credit for. Again, like I think people feed into the stereotype of, you know, stiff European white dude. And He's not really that like he threw down a 360 dunk in a game this year. Like he can actually drive a little bit, uh, you know, against centers. So I look at him and I I think I'm pretty in on him, if only because the production says to be in on him. Uh, Guys that are this productive overseas, guys that win MVP of high level leagues, they tend not to fail. Like, I don't think. Ante Zizic, prime example. Well, yeah. Well, Zizic won though, uh, won the MVP of that league after he was drafted, if I remember correctly. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but and like Ante had like not to get fucking in the weeds on Ante Zizic. No, like, this is the this I'm is what so good and way derailed him. Yes, and after that, we're gonna do a, just a brief twenty five minute breakdown of of Shemi Erdon, like just just real quick after that. Oh, we need it. Yeah, we absolutely need it. Um. Yeah, no, guys that win MVPs of these leagues, like uh, Yusuf Nurkic, uh, Nikola Jokic, guys like that, they they very rarely fail. Like the guys that have a higher bust rate in Europe are the ones that are like borderline rotation players on good teams or you know on bad teams in bad leagues, not necessarily playing uh, a high competition level. I think Shangun offensively is pretty close to bust proof. I, I just don't know what you do with him defensively because of uh, the lack of true center size and uh, not elite level lateral quickness. He's not like a disaster there, but he's not good on that end either. This, hey, you guys. <laughs> this is, this is Shemi Erdan. Uh, no, little, little, little goony action. Houston is Houston is giving up two future first round picks. That's a shocker. That's a shocker because San Francisco didn't have enough picks. Like, you know, it's just we're just going to keep stop. It's going to get to the point for Oklahoma City. It's going to get hard for them to get deals done because teams are literally going to be like, no, no, we want more of these picks. We know you're hoarding picks back there. You know, it's going to be like, okay, hey, we're going to give you this guy and a pick. And they're going to be like, no, no, three picks. You know, three picks. I think that's going to be the deal. Like, it's going to be along those lines where it's it's going to get interesting, where teams are going to try to start tapping into their their treasure treasure chest of uh, of picks at this point. Yeah, I don't feel like Sam Presti is the type of guy that gives in. So I don't know if that's going to actually do anything. Yeah, that won't go well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I'm thrown off that this is so. It's two future first round picks. Apparently, it's not 
So, so this will give Houston four first round picks here, right? Like they'll have, yeah. they'll have two 16, 23, 24, assuming they don't make any moves with, with 23 and 24. Yeah, that's that's throwing me off a little bit. I know the 23 and 24 have been available-ish. Like, they're not going to just give them away, obviously, but, you know, they wouldn't mind necessarily moving those. So maybe they're going to move those, you know, one or two of those picks. Right. Um, I love the pick, though. It's great value. I think that um, depending on the picks that they gave up, I'm not really sure what they are. And depending on how protected they are, right. uh, yeah, I think it's a totally reasonable move here by Houston to get the number eight player on my board. Yeah. So, so, so far we have Houston ending up with Jalen green predictable and then trading up for, for Alperin Shangun. So you're, you're looking at, all right, they're the staples of that core, at least in the short term um, and, and, you know, projecting the long term the best we can Shangun green, Kevin Porter jr. Who, who was a nice little reclamation project for them last year. And then Christian wood, who was, who was a big signing for them last off season. Uh, you have other guys like maybe Jay Sean Tate becomes a really nice role player. Maybe Kenyon Martin jr. Becomes yeah. a really nice role player. Like they, they looked fantastic in their brief stints this year. I think um, Jay Sean Tate was a, was a really good story, but in terms of those, like that main four of, of Porter of green Shangun and, and Christian Wood, how do you think they fit together, Sam? Yeah, there's not like a crazy amount of ball movement there necessarily, yeah. which worries me a which little I'm bit. Which I'm okay with. I'm okay with that. You know, like that's <laughs> exactly. I don't think it Cam Thomas at 23. That's what I gonna hope. Going to be one of your favorites. Like Cam, Kevin Porter Jr. this year is going to oh, be. I love him, man. Although his jumper is really weird looking. So I, that's the only thing that makes me not all in on him. But I, I love KPJ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, this team has very little, had very little talent coming into the night at the end of the day, in terms of long-term pieces that you're genuinely building around. I think they got two in this draft. Like I think Jalen green is obviously one that you build around. And I honestly do believe that Alperin Shengun is a guy that could be that at some point, much in mm-hmm. the same way that like Alexei Pokushevsky, we don't know for sure what he is yet. Uh, Shengun is much more accomplished. He has a much higher floor than what Pokushevsky does, but his ceiling is, you know, maybe not quite as high as Poku's, but it is very high in regard to offensive plates where he could be a 20 point per game guy that you build around. So yeah, I like it a lot. Oh, oh, no. What happened? What happened? What is, I what's oh, I no. need to see it though. All right. This is now eight. I think eight perk alerts. Oh yeah. There you go. All right. So Dayron, <laughs> is Dayron, is Dayron a clutch guy? Does he have stuff? No, he's CAA. Okay. Uh, so maybe he's doing a favor for this. You isn't the there. sharpest take I've ever seen. Is, is it possible that Perk has? Hold on, hold on, Mo, 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 hold on. We're just we're gonna let that sit a little bit for what Jay King just said. Just gonna let that sit. If uh, write it down in a sharpie. If this is, yeah. it would be with a sharpie, not in a sharpie. In a sharpie doesn't make any sense. So not only was with it a, a sharpie, joke, in a sharpie, yeah, on a sharpie. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry, Mo, you were going to say, I just wanted to make sure that that was a screeching halt that it needed to be. Yeah. I'm just curious if Perk has a prop bet here. How do I get shit for Hokey Poku and, but with a Sharpie is okay. Not the Sharpie. One, one, Zach, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is, it turned us around on the, on the, on the opinion. We, we don't, nobody listens to Jay. That's true. That's, that's a fair point. <laughs> I ran over what he was saying when he was saying it, Zach. Nobody listened. That's true. That's a fair point. Yeah, I, I have no rebuttal for that. 
I don't even remember what we were talking about at this point. The Houston core. Mo, what do you think of this Houston, young Houston core at this point? No, I like what they're building. I mean, in that sense of just, you know, Jalen Green's a guy I think that's going to be a good building block. Mm. You know, yeah. what we saw from Porter, you know, when he, when he came over from Cleveland, you know, showed real flashes of like, hey, I can be a piece for this team. For sure, Christian yeah. Wood was great. You know, we, you're going to see what they do maybe with Kelly Olenek and free agency and and how that t- turns out. I, I feels like they kind of want to bring him back. He was kind of important for them. You know, they're, they're building a good young core. They got, I don't know what's going to happen with Eric Gordon. I don't think he's going to really bring back much if they look to move him. But overall, this team's going to be bad for a little bit, but they got young guys to start building and developing. I mean, they're thinking, you know, four years down the line. Well, I mean, know, even more than that, Raphael Stone said, you know, get back to me in 2030. Right with all the all the James Harden picks that he got, I so. love that move as a GM. To, oh my to god, put that date out there oh nine god, years from a, now. Yeah, like really, you can can't, can't just evaluate what I'm doing. Nine now. years, you know, <laughs> leave me my job for nine years, and then let me know in 2030. Look how uh, good with, we are with all my trade evaluations and and the mock drafts and stuff. I don't think I should be evaluated until 2030 as well. I think you know, let's just <laughs> let's just keep the pressure. I thought you were going to say that about your puns. But you know, no, those are those are gold. What do we like, evaluate them now? Yeah, we, gold have, price we got up. another we got another pick. We got Trey Murphy here. Trey 17. Murphy, love Trey Murphy. So this is to New Orleans at, at seventeen after the after the trade. Um, Trey Murphy, like I I think another one of those just like this this class has a bunch of three and D guys, right? Is is Trey Murphy more than a three and D guy? No, he's only a three and D guy. Okay. I would say, uh, I don't feel comfortable when he dribbles right now, much in the same way that I did not feel super comfortable when Danny Green dribbled early in his career. Uh-oh, but gonna be mad. It, it's a uh, it's a very similar pick to Cam Thomas with the Phoenix Suns a few years ago, except that I think Trey is actually a little bit more athletic and a little Cam bit Cam Johnson. You mean right? Actually, oh, Cam, Cam Johnson, Thomas yeah, goes to like, the Suns. Woo! Cam Thomas, yeah, no. that's too late for him. Uh, Cam though. Johnson, very similar pick to the Cam Johnson pick. Uh, really, really high level shooter. He's going to hit forty percent from three in the NBA. Yeah, I also, yeah, I really like the defensive ability as well. I think he has great lateral lateral speed. He's six foot nine with a seven foot wingspan. All around, exactly what the Pelicans need to space the floor around Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas now, and also of course Zion Williamson. Yeah, I love six nine shooters. It's tough to go wrong when you're six nine and mobile and can play defense, and you can also shoot. We saw it with with Cam Cam Johnson. I, I almost said Cam Thomas too. Like everyone panned that pick, but the yeah. fact that he's tall and can shoot has made him a very viable NBA player in very huge NBA games very quickly. And so I, I think that Trey Murphy skill set should translate really well. I mean, it's just important for them, you know, just adding more shooting on the court and just kind of continuing to spread the floor and actually have a guy can make shots, you know, and in that yeah. sense. And then somebody that's going to defend like they just they're, they haven't been a good defensive team the whole way through, you know, in Zion's run in, in two years. And and this is something like if they're going to make a leap, if they're going to start jumping up and getting into the being the team everybody's hoping for and getting 20 national TV games and everything that goes with that. They got to start getting guys that are going to play some defense. I take exception with this. I'm so sick of people complaining about the Pelicans being on national television. They have fucking Zion. They're going to be on national TV. (laughs) They they are. And you know what? He's fun enough to justify a mediocre Pelicans team being on there. You want to be mad about it? Get these other teams off. I don't want to see the Celtics. Okay. I just don't. 
Like I like Jason Tatum. I like Jalen Brown. It's not a sexy like national television game anymore. Okay, it's not the '80s. Like Pel- Zion should be on <laughs> national TV. All eighty-two of Zion. Like just put him in a little like picture-in-picture box for all eighty-two games right there in the corner on national telev- television. Like that's what it should be. I'm so sick of people complaining about the Pelicans. Some of these dead-ass teams we've had on TV for years. Yes, we get to watch Zion do cool shit. I, yeah, I want to complain about the Pelicans now. Do do we know what their vision is? Do do no. they know what their vision is? I don't think they do. I I don't. I think they. I think they thought when obviously Zion was going to be an impact player, and Zion is an impact player, by the way. Like Zion's Zion's amazing. He just can't fix your team completely, right? Like, like and, I was say, and, Zion's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, like he's he's ridiculous. But like you know, there are some issues. I think they can use him a little bit better in terms of playmaking, which they started to do last season. I'm interested to see what Willie Green does with him. Um, Brandon Ingram, an all star and really good. I don't know how much they fit unless Zion kind of becomes a main playmaker and you can run some, some action with the two of them. Uh, if they keep Lonzo ball, I I'm all in on Lonzo ball. I love him as a prospect. I love him. What he's, what he's added to his game. He's become a legitimately good shooter. Like it's not just if he can shoot, like he can shoot, um, he can play like, I, I'd like him to be a little bit better defensively. Cause I think that, I think that ability is there. And I, but I also think it's hard to be that on that team. I think it was a better fit with Drew Holiday than Eric Bledsoe trying to be a point guard or trying to be a, you know, just whatever presence they needed him to be. And so, like, I think the fit with Valanciunas is going to be super interesting. Um, I think they just need an adult in the room. Like, if they could go sign Kyle Lowry and come through on that free agency request, like, it, it, you know, kind of, kind of wish list there, I think that'd be huge for them because they need that leader and that adult in the room to fix these young guys. Um, in a similar way that Phoenix needed Chris Paul, it's not going to be that dramatic, but like they need that guy. Drew Holiday was that guy. They traded him, and now they need to find that guy again. You know who was supposed to be that guy? Stan Van Gundy. And yeah, then they said, you know what? You're not. Right? We don't actually want someone. <laughs> we, we don't, don't like actually want coaching, someone yelling yeah. at our guys. Yeah, right. If you don't want someone yelling at your guys, why did you hire Stan Van Gundy in the first place? It was that, a, it was high risk, high reward. That's why right? I don't get it. And I think Valanciunas, <laughs> Valanciunas. Even though he can shoot threes a, a little bit now, he's a weird fit with Zion. Uh, to me, I would want to just get shooters, space the court, and turn Zion into your main creator. And th- that would be my vision for oh, that on. team. And, I've, I've got I've to address that comment from Sam. I'm really sorry. Not, not Sam Vecini, but Sam. Yes, this one. Zion won't be the main piece in year six. If he's not there, then yes, I agree with you. <laughs> if he's not there, this dude averages 27 points a game on 60% shooting. He's going to be the main piece. He's like that, like no good. One, literally no one's done what he's ever done. Averaging, averaging what he averages on the efficiency. Now it doesn't mean he doesn't have holes in his game. He's going to be the main piece wherever he goes. Like he just like Zion is that good offensively. He is, he is like foolproof offensively. It's just, you need to be able to have defenders around him and they don't have that. And it's just, a, you need to build a unique team around him, right? Like you want him to be the playmaker more. You want him to have the ball more going downhill more often and attacking. You need to build a team that works around that. You know, the team they had this year, not so much, you know, right. it wasn't, a, he's, he's driving and kicking it out to Eric Bledsoe. Teams are okay with that. You know, it's, it's along those lines of you need to start figuring out how you're going to build that. And I think they kind of stumbled onto playmaking ball handling Zion this year. And now we're trying to figure out how to build that team. It's not going to be easy, but I I mean, I think you're wrong there, Sam. I think he's going to be the centerpiece of a team. 
yeah. the other Sam, not not Mr. Vicini over there looking all sharp in Australia. Um, you know, I think he's going to be, you know, the centerpiece of your team and you're going to have a good chance of winning games. Yeah. Sam, since you are in the Southern Hemisphere, do the perk alerts go in the other direction? Is that they, how that they works? They actually flush uh, left. Like okay, they flush left. I just wanted to make sure. I thought I figured that was the case. Um, yeah, like with, like with Zion, like I I don't really have I, I I don't even care that he's not good defensively. I know that's a shocker for me to have that that opinion about a a guy who scores, but I don't really <laughs> care because I think his job is to set the tone offensively and let's get guys in to make up for that other shit, right? Like that's what I think of him, Sam. He has not looked like. Like he looked like he might be a defender at the college level, but he also was like crazy imposing compared to everyone else. He's, he's still imposing, but not in that way. And maybe that's a health thing at the NBA level. Like I I don't really know. Yeah. He looked amazing in help defensively at the college level. And I think part of it is like, it's just easier to cover that floor. Like Mm -hmm. his athleticism and explosiveness, like he could just sprint around the court. Like everyone remembers that play where he came from literally across the other side of the paint and blocked a DeAndre Hunter three-pointer somehow into like the second row. It was obscene. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Uh, So he has instincts that I think are pretty good, but yeah, I think early on in his career, he just wasn't healthy, right? He missed Mm -hmm. the first half of his rookie season. And I think that put him behind the eight ball. And then they switched to a new coach, which means a new developmental scheme defensively as well. And then on top of it, they're switching to another coach this year. Right. So I would like to see some continuity. Maybe let's go with from uh, the new Orleans Pelicans to get the most out of Zion Williamson defensively. Well, and isn't that like such the risk here um, is, is the scramble to find whatever that's going to be, whatever that continuity is. Um, and the fact that it's like, oh, shit, like Alvin Gentry, we didn't want him. So oh, we'll go Stan Van Gundy. He'll fix it. Ah, no, that actually didn't work. So now we're going to go Willie Green. And now you have to get like, I don't know if Willie Green's going to be a co- good coach or not. Enough smart people that I talk to are like, yeah, they, like he's going to be good. But you don't know yet. Right. And so if Willie Green isn't the guy, you're running out of time because we can hate the small market stuff and the stars and the him gushing about Madison Square Garden or whatever that's going to be. But that stuff is real. There is a clicking, you know, there's a ticking clock on that that is going to Sergio, go down, down. Sergio, no, don't, don't, don't oh, get wrong. We've already that's, done this. That's Sergio. a great, but that's a Sergio. great question. There are new people, Sergio. That's such a good, good question. Is there a good podcast that talks about bad movies that anybody here can recommend? He's nope. talking probably about no, Cinephobe. Cinephobe, the podcast where Amin Al Hassan and I review poorly rated movies on Rotten Tomatoes, and they try to ascertain are they properly poorly rated or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. Cinephobe, produced by Anthony Mays, wherever you get podcasts. It's such a oh man, I'm so glad that question came up because that was definitely within the flow of the conversation about the Pelicans, the continuity issues with the coaching staff, and just trying to get that structure just like in there. All the damn movies you've watched. <laughs> Travolta no month is over. We're now rom com month in August. We're watching oh. Saving Silverman next week. Oh boy, underrated oh. movie. Fantastic. By the way, spoiler alert: file. Great movie. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm no. actually kind of in. Like, Steven Silverman was an yeah. enjoyable movie. Yeah, I kind of, I probably somehow. seen it like eight times. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Oh no, that's one that definitely. We was need like a new. The we need a player. pick to get happen or a trade. Hey, it's okay. Now we've gone off the rails. We got one. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's got to save me. Forget saving Silverman. Save me. <laughs> Oh, Trey Man, Trey Man, <laughs> Trey Man at eighteen to OKC. This is higher than I thought he would go, but I like. I'm a big Trey Man guy. I know that's gonna that's gonna are. yeah, he's the dude's a shooter. 
most of this show has gone with Zach going, I'm a big this guy. And Elvis go, of course you are. Uh, okay, <laughs> so Trey, man, uh, one of the best pull-up shooters in the draft. Uh, maybe the best pull-up shooter in the draft. And a guy that can gain separation through his ability to decelerate and through mm-hmm. his ability uh, to change directions very quickly. I don't think he's a great passer right now. He's going to have to improve there. He's going to have to improve as a decision maker. And then on top of it, uh, I thought he was really bad on defense this year. I thought he was really, We're not really bad. That. We're not worried about that. So, yeah. gonna, uh, it's fine. Gonna gonna have to see what's uh, going on. I, I did not have Trey Mann as a first round grade. I had him just outside of the first. But uh, you know, if you're if you're gonna take Josh Giddy, I guess like it's a good fit with Giddy and Shea on yeah. some level. What's a bigger reach, Primo or Trey? Primo. I had them right around the same, so it'd be Primo. Yeah. But um because I even think the fit with Trey makes way more sense than the Primo fit. Yeah, it does. With San Antonio. And they're really, really good uh at being able to develop and hold guys accountable in Oklahoma City. And I think that's what Trey needs. He needs someone to hold him accountable defensively so he doesn't just like, you know, make poor decisions in terms of plays. So now, now the the Knicks are going to be on the clock at nineteen. Except they're trading that to Charlotte for a future first round pick. It might be Kai Jones. Again, we talked about Kai Jones a little bit earlier, but this is a Hornets team after getting Book Knight, which again I love. Great pick. Um, they don't have big men. They don't like Cody Zeller's a free agent. Bismack Biombo's a free agent. They do need a big man. I don't know that you're going to play Kai Jones right away because you know Sam the, the issues you talked about earlier with not a great feel for the game. But if you can have like even I think if you bring back Biombo. Right. I don't know that you want Bismack Biombo starting for a team that's trying to make the playoffs uh, this next season. But I think having Kai Jones kind of learn behind him, at least from a defensive standpoint, I think could be a really nice pickup. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, I'll, I'll say this on Kai Jones. Uh, I, I heard as well as I think you heard as well in yours that Charlotte was considering taking him at 11. Yeah. Uh, I like this a lot more than taking him at 11. I had Kai Jones at 19. So we are yeah, 17 of uh, the 19 picks so far have been my top 19 players. The only two that have been off the board are Trey Mann and Josh Primo. So in general, NBA teams, I think are like pretty much on it right now. Uh, It's a weird, uh, weird, weird thing to try and figure out if this is going to work defensively for Kai Jones. Cause I think a lot of it is processing speed right now. He just hasn't shown the ability to process where he needs to be defensively, but you know what? You're going to see a lot of cool dunks with him and LaMelo Ball. That's for damn sure because yeah. those guys are going to run the court. Kai Jones is probably better at running the court than any big man in this draft. So uh, the fit with LaMelo in transition is going to be really fun. Is there uh, going to be a fight at the rim with Bridges and Jones for those lob attempts? Like, are we going to see the two of I mean, them? So go one of them is going to dunk on the other Uh-oh. one, so it doesn't matter. It's going to yeah. be a show. Yeah, they They both sky. Like, like Kai yeah. Jones was a long jumper in the Bahamas coming up. And then Miles Bridges, obviously, uh, is unbelievable yeah, as a leaper. Right. So. I am always <laughs> yeah. skeptical of guys who played two years in college and were not very good either year. That, sure. may, be a, that may be a hot take. <laughs> but I just feel like Jones, obviously, he's an athlete. Obviously, there are tools there. Obviously, 
there's something maybe inside of him, but he just has a long way to go to be a viable NBA player in my eyes. All right. So here's my issue with that, Jay. And I, I don't think you're necessarily wrong with that. Uh, like if you've been batted every year in college, then maybe it's not a good fit. I also look at that and, and Sam, you could speak to this way better, but like, I'm like, yeah, he plays at Texas. Like, you know, like I just, I, I don't have great fond so, memories of the Texas program. So yeah, Kai Jones this year played in probably the deepest backcourt in America. They had Greg Brown. They had Jericho Sims. Jericho Sims is a senior, was one of the best defensive big men in the country. So it was, I think, harder for him to make an impact than what, uh, you know, you would typically see from a guy taken in the lottery. But I do tend to fall on some level on Jay's side of the spectrum here in that it's hard for me to get over a lack of production uh, in college whenever you're taking someone in the top 20. Uh, there have to be really good reasons for why. Mm-hmm. In the case of Kai Jones, he has a case as a top five athlete in this draft class, definitely the best athletic big man in this draft class. And he got to basketball late or at least later than most, uh, you know, growing up in the Bahamas. So, I get it. I get the upside, but it's definitely, this definitely does not change Charlotte's need to go sign a center in free agency. They have to go sign one still. Yeah. They de- I mean, yeah, I, I don't and, like the yeah. idea of Kai Jones playing right away. Like, and I'm high on him, but I don't like the, I don't like the idea of him like getting heavy minutes in just, unless it's just clicked for some reason and playing with someone like LaMelo has helped him offensively enough to where he just, his decision-making is super, Simplified. Right? Don't forget and, about Plumley. Plumley's got to oh, be there. That's right. They <laughs> traded for Mason. You Plumlee. cannot forget about Good Lord. I forgot about Show that. Us the shirt, Show us the yeah, shirt. Show us the shirt. Baby, Plumley yeah, yeah. season, baby. <laughs> no, oh, but they need the world. I mean, they might be an interesting spot for like Rashawn Holmes. You know, that, like, yeah, yeah. They're, like they're going to go after Rashawn Holmes for sure. That's a great call. Like they may try to trade for Miles Turner. I've heard that. Like, you know, they're like that's you know Charlotte is going to be very aggressive because I think, I think you almost have to be after seeing what happened last year. I don't think you want to lose that momentum, especially if you're in the East and you can't get back into a position to make the playoffs next year. Like that, I think that can be kind of detrimental. Yeah, it probably is. Uh, I would imagine LaMelo Ball wants to make the playoffs next year. I would imagine that Gordon Hayward particularly wants to make the playoffs next year. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I agree with you. We have another pick, by the way. So we we have the Atlanta Hawks at 20 going with Jalen Johnson. Um, I like the pick, but I, I also look love at this. I kind of okay. love the pick. Oh, okay. Now, now you're in. <laughs> now you're in. Now you love Jalen Johnson. You're on the hype train. I kind of love the fit because... I just feel like that's just a high upside guy for the Hawks and mm-hmm. Trey makes everything easier for everyone around him. Like Trey is going to draw so much attention. He is teams are going to be doubling him, sending people out to him out to 30 feet. And a guy like Jalen Johnson has enough skill to take advantage of that four on three opportunity on the, on the back end. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think it, everything will be easier for Jalen Johnson in Atlanta than it would have been in a lot of other places and he has he does have tools. The the guy has a lot yeah. of tools. He wasn't he wasn't great at Duke, obviously. Um a lot went wrong at Duke, but bad program. But, but he has a lot of tools. Bad program. <laughs> that's, John, that's John Shire's program now. They just signed Filipowski. Huge sign. Uh, well, he better not be shyer about recruiting than oh, you, Mike you, was. 
you got lost there for a little bit. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of got caught up in the air, but I, I made the shot. You know, not I your caught, sharpest I fun. That's not, not so much. Wow. Um, okay. So, so it sounds like they're keeping the pick too, right? There was, there was an Sam is apoplectic right now. Uh, it, it sounded like the Hawks were going to, you know, maybe try to package this and Cam Reddish to move up. It doesn't sound like that's happening. I don't even know what. Like, even if we're getting a trade later on in some news, like I can't think Sam of of who taken above would maybe even be that guy. Yeah. I mean, like maybe you could make a case for Indiana. Cause I, I saw that rumor, you know, 13, sure. and yeah. 13 for Cam Reddish and 20. I would just keep Cam Reddish to be honest. I think Cam Reddish is good at basketball. Um, that's my crazy Yo, Cam Reddish. Right? Maybe I'm, I'm all yeah. in on Cam uh, another guy who wasn't very good at Duke. Right. So maybe there's a world where bad program. In, <laughs> maybe there's a world where uh he can impart some knowledge in terms of hey, getting out of the Duke scheme, maybe mm-hmm. trying to, you know, fit in more in Atlanta. That'll help. I think Cam Reddish has always been a cleaner shooter than Jalen Johnson for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh but I actually agree with what a lot of Jay said. The Atlanta Hawks really like to uh, be able to use that safety valve big man as a screener. Like they used Gallinari a bit as a five this year. Uh, They obviously use John Collins quite a bit as a five. And there's not too big of a size difference actually between Jalen Johnson and John Collins. So I agree, like being able to take advantage of those four on threes after teams blitz Trey Young and have to pay all sorts of advantage or uh, all sorts of attention to him. I really agree. Like, I think that's as good of a fit for Jalen Johnson as he could have possibly found. I'm not an enormous fan of the player. I think he has to show way more uh, defensive attention to detail. I think he has to show way more shooting, especially in this team. But I get the upside play if you're Atlanta. I think it's fine. I think some of it, too, is just sort of insurance, too, with the whole John Collins Restricted free agents, trying to figure out how that goes. Like, if you bring back John Collins, great. Now we just have more time to develop Jalen Johnson. We don't have to 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 worry about giving him extreme minutes. Even if Collins leaves, I think you have with Gallinari, you have Onwayu who showed some flashes in the conference finals and really throughout the playoff run. You know, but hey, he is that that a mini perk alert there from Mo (laughs) Onwayu. I, did I say it wrong? I'm so bad. Yeah. <laughs> we, got a, we got a Mo Perk alert. Mo alert. Bam out of the bayou. <laughs> Te- teach me, Sam. Don't, I don't want to listen to the other two. Teach me, Sam. <laughs> a Yekka, a Kongwu. A Kongwu, sorry. A yeah. Kongwu. Uh, you know, but again, a guy that you feel like has some promise. There I thought you were trying to talk about Wenyan Gabriel for a second. I didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> I got to take my hits. Uh, if I mess it up, I mess it up. <laughs> um, you know, but he has the ability to be the next Bill Russell. So I think it's along those lines that they could. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. One hundred percent. Absolutely. I lost my train of thought. We're good. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think you ever had it. So I wouldn't worry about that, but that's that USC education right there. So good job. Um, I- Where he was. How do you. I didn't watch us. I watch USC football. If he played on the football team, I know all about him. Let's go to let's go to an expert, Sam. Who's who's the best player available on your board right now? Because the Knicks will be up next with twenty one. Yeah, I have Usman Garuba. By the way, Usman Garuba, I believe, is represented by Leon Rose's son. Uh, so that could be an interesting one to watch. Next year on the draft show, Mo is going (laughs) to mispronounce his name. 
That's a fact. <laughs> no, what, know, Leon Rose? I know Billy Rose. Stop it. Stop it, Jay. <laughs> oh, man. Can, can we... We have we have like a minute here. Can we can we talk about the fashion? The fashion that's going on Absolutely. at the NBA draft? Yes. I know Zach wants oh, to. I thought you meant uh, our fashion. I was gonna say oh, hell no. oh, this, this, this Mason thing, Plumley jersey that's gonna yeah. be turned into in a minute. You kidding me? No, you didn't let's talk about the actual there. fashion. Okay. I, I would say um, two guys. Two guys stood out to me tonight. Kai Jones with that pink suit, because Kai Jones great, just went obviously great that, suit. that thing that is phenomenal. Number two was Scotty Barnes. I thought that white suit. Flower pattern. I loved it. Mm. I thought it was great. Here's the the real number one, Jalen Green. Jalen Green is is a can't-miss prospect. Cannot miss prospect. Superstar dripping all over him. He is the next superstar. I I wasn't totally (laughs) sold on him until I saw his suit. He was was wearing wearing a suit that wasn't tailored. The hair was just perfection sure like the hair, hair is unbelievable he was wearing Shaq's suit like what do you like that sh- that suit was huge you After can't bring draft, big you suit. think jay's gonna be sitting there be dazzling jackets and things like that to try to get him a little shiny well, and things like see, that i feel like see do you see cam thomas's uh liner on his jacket yeah it's a yeah. kobe tribute it's like a picture of Kobe on the inside liner of his jacket zach's guy cam thomas oh my god yo he's gonna score a million points in the nba each season. I saw, I saw someone tweet, uh, Corey Kispert looks like he came directly from a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> he does. That's a great call. Somebody who was wearing the, there was someone with like a, like kind of a light electric blue suit on earlier. It was very early in the draft. I got to find who that was. I'll tell you, one of the fathers brought it. Uh, yeah. I think it was Kai Jones's dad. Yeah. Was it Kai Jones's dad? He, okay, he so just, I'm even more in on him now. Just looked awesome. I, the the father coming in with the the extensive drip is is always a good touch. It was like when John ja Morant's dad stole the show when he was drafted. Well, also John ja Morant's dad stole the show because Ja said that's my biggest hater. <laughs> like that's like that was a phenom- That was just a phenomenal moment because I feel like my dad is the most supportive person I know, but he will roast my ass in a second. <laughs> roast me in a second especially over something i'm wearing or something i do so like yeah i like i feel like i feel like i really resonated with with john morant and his dad jalen johnson's got this like all white like shiny white off-white suit he's got the bow tie action going this is a good look too i like this it's a little See, I, party I actually, down i like josh giddy's Little tuxedo, yeah, a little blue th- with yeah. the black lapels, nice little yeah. deal. I, I, I liked what Giddy had going. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. Yeah, is anyone that you looked at and you're just like, this is not doing it for me? Well, I mean, the bell bottoms and the suit not fitting right for. <laughs> Jalen yeah, I mean that, that certainly is a was. Bit you guys are so far off on Jalen Green. That was a superstar outfit. That that's his arrival. He's going to average thirty thirty per game. What do you know about fashion? <laughs> this this is a beautiful dry fit Under Armour tee. <laughs> okay, are you the rock now? Like, is that what's happening? You know, Mo was a video coordinator because he's wearing a polo. He's just wearing a polo, and he's like, "I'm going to dress that up is, here. Let me put a that polo is video on. coordinator outfit." One oh, way. I'm not shaking my roots. I'm not shaking my roots. <laughs> Oh, Sam wants, Sam wants my dad on to get a reaction to the Charlotte tea. He would just say, can I get one of those? My dad would ask me for the, the paraphernalia. Like I didn't buy this at fucking old Navy or something. 
I think that's what it'd be. Um, all right, the so, four least qualified people to talk about fashion, by the way? 100%. We, pretty we, close. We might be. I mean, I think we've got three of the least qualified. Uh, I'm the most qualified then. Okay, got it. We're in a polo in 2021. You're a Hornet shirt, dude. That looks like it hasn't been washed since 1984. No, this shit's clean as hell. No, this is, I don't, I don't, I don't put dirty, I don't put dirty clothes on. I may sleep in clothes too long, but I don't put a dirty shirt on. Like that's All not, his dirtiness that's in his, is in his hair. We no, it looks like it. he's about to go night right. Oh my God. <laughs> this is late, lay right. Matt I got cream fruit. I'm telling you, no, you got to get your hair products right. And we don't do gel anymore. Okay. So if you're using the hair gel, don't do that anymore. We don't use that. Hair gel is not, not the thing anymore. You want a matte you look cream. Like Polly D had a stroke. Yeah, <laughs> I, I take that as a compliment. Are you kidding me? I fucking love DJ Polly D. Oh my God. Is he still doing a residency at the hard rock in Vegas? We're going, I will pay for us to go. If, if Polly D is still there, I will, we are going and we're going to meet him. I, I don't care. I, mean, I take dude. that as a compliment. Yeah, I know. I know you love Polly D. Oh, gonna, no. gonna I still like watch Jersey Shore family vacation every Thursday night. Oh, no. <laughs> They're still going with new episodes. Oh, oh yeah, let's no. give out some grades so far. Let's give it. Let's give out some grades. I like that. Jason Jang has a F for the Kings. Um, with with <laughs> I this. can't give them an F because they did get a good player. David yeah, is going to be good. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. All right, let let's go for for fit. Obviously, all right. K to the Pistons A. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's obvious. So what about, what about Scotty Barnes to Toronto at four? Yeah. Not a huge fan of that one as we've kind of discussed. Uh, you know, I think it's a lot of what they have and I worry about the scoring uh, on top of that. Uh, I would say Jalen Suggs to Orlando is a definite that's, A. Yeah. That's an A, right. right? Um, giddy to giddy to the thunder. And then also, I'm forgetting who else just went to the Thunder. Um, the the guard Trey Mann. Oh yeah, Trey Mann. Okay, yeah, I, I actually like that. I like I like that. I think I like that at 18 more than I like Giddy at six. But I'm also a little lower on Giddy than than I think most. So because he can't shoot, so I don't, he can't shoot. Like, again, again, can't shoot. Yeah. Not, not a fan. Not a fan. Exactly. I'm anxiously waiting. You would want to play with him because he would pass you the ball, Zach. I've, I'd rather just bring it up myself. If we're being honest, like I don't, I don't, I don't need someone to pass me the ball. I'll just, I'll take it myself. I I'm a grab and go guy. That's that's we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I am anxiously waiting to see where Sharif Cooper goes because I'm yeah. a big Sharif Cooper guy. I've been following on Instagram for like three years. Like just he's been an Instagram star forever. So yeah. I have this warped sense of how good Sharif Cooper is because all I've seen are highlight mixes. On Instagram, that's well, all if, I've seen. If you watch him play a real game, it's basically a highlight mix. Okay, yeah. So what, oh, what do we think of if he can become a good jump shooter, which could be a very huge if, he is going to be impossible to stop. But if he doesn't, then all the other stuff he does will be a little muted, and he'll right. be very small in a defensive liability. He was he was working and out with uh, with lethal so shooter. If you follow he, lethal shooter so, on IG, he's working out with him. So I feel like the shots can be fixed. That that's so, all it takes. So the Knicks have moved 21 as well. So the Knicks oh, are just punting on the Knicks. first round this year. Okay. They, well, I mean, they didn't love the idea. Who needs a first round pick? In. They made it to the playoffs. I mean, you know, this is, playoffs? again, did you playoffs? just go full Jim <laughs> Mora on us here? I did. I did. <laughs> oh, man. Um, um, yeah, Jalen, or uh, 
I'm interested to see what the Knicks do here. This uh, or the now Pistons, I guess. Yeah, now the Pistons. Yeah, um, it's gonna be gonna be interesting. So they got Cade. So who like for the Pistons? Who would you be targeting here? Basically, because I mean, as as Troy Weaver said this past week, like everyone's a fit. We won 20 games, right? Which is just a fantastic <laughs> comment. Yeah. Um, so who would you be targeting here? I, I know, I know Garuba's top of your list here of guys left. Yeah. I, I don't know that I love like the Garuba fit next to Isaiah Stewart. I think they do a lot of similar things. You already have Isaiah Stewart at the end of the day. Um, we have you know, actually I, conflicting what, information. The Clippers. Yeah. According to uh, Shams Sharani, the Clippers are selecting at 21 and they're taking Keon Johnson. Okay. Yeah, that's fine too. Um, I'd Keon at 21. So yeah. sure. Like sounds great. Uh, super athlete. Absolutely. One of the f- Yo, you know, two lead. or three best oh athletes in the draft. A super yeah. explosive vertical leaper, 48 inch vertical leaps at the combine record. Real lateral quickness, real great first step, great speed out in transition. The problem is offense um, just doesn't shoot it well, doesn't really make great decisions, not a real passer yet in terms of vision, Uh, not a terrific ball handler, but like gets to his spots because he's so athletic. I'm a little bit, uh, he fits everything that the Clippers look for. So I get it from that perspective. They love these guys that are high effort, high motor, high energy players. So I I get it. And I think that he's a high upside guy uh, and he's a great fit within that system. But um, so it's a reasonable pick. I'll be interested to see what they gave up. Yeah, it looks like they're going to be, according to Shams, that the the Knicks will be at 25. So I'm sure there's more to that trade than just that. Here, here's how crazy athletic Keon Johnson is. I don't care that he can't shoot. I love him because he's such a <laughs> wild athlete. That guy can jump. Out. He could jump higher than than Jeff Bezos just flew. Like he could. Like that dude it can soar, absolutely soar. Like he is outer space athletic. He is unbelievable with that athleticism. So I'm I'm all in. Like they're showing his vertical leap right now. I could watch him. I could just watch him jump. I'd watch him do box jumps for an hour. Like that's how that's how athletic he is. I think he could jump over anything at this point. Um, I'm a little surprised you're right, Sam, like this is the type of guy that the Clippers definitely like in terms of the build, the athleticism and everything. I really thought they were going to go more of a lead lead guard situation. And we can kind of wrap up our final thoughts on, on this here. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I thought that they could have used the lead there. I will say for what it's worth, there are some teams who think that Keon Johnson can develop into that at some point. I haven't necessarily talked to the Clippers about that, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if you remember back when they drafted Terrence Mann, they played Terrence Mann at the point quite a bit in summer league. And they went into the season thinking that he could be more of a backup point guard for them than what he was. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Clippers are in him as something of like a combo as opposed to just like a true two, uh, which is more where I sit on the spectrum. So we're we're gonna get out of here in a second. Wait, we have another Mark perk Hold on, Mark I was Gilbert! just about to use there the we perk. Okay, we're kidding. All right, that was a false alarm. Good but God. that's a good transition because God. as we as we wrap this up, Jay, we'll start with you. Favorite perk alert of the night. <laughs> Definitely the Scotty Barnes to Draymond Green one. That's just so outlandish. <laughs> just so outlandish. Like I watched Scotty Barnes and I'm like, oh, he's he's big and long yeah. and I think he'll probably Play be make, able to switch. Yeah. 
Burke watches him and is like, that's going to be the smartest defender of a generation. Yeah. Uh, Mo, favorite, favorite perk alert. No, I don't know how it's everybody's favorite has to be Evan Mobley is Bill Russell. Like, I don't know how you can actually think. And I mean, he's been in Boston. He knows what Bill, Bill Russell's all about. And he's just going to look at Evan Mobley, oh, Evan Mobley and be like, yeah, that's Bill Russell right there. Boston, like, no, Boston based on. announcers are all about comparing randos to Bill Greg Russell. You know, I've, Steven, heard, I've heard far worse. Bill Russell comparison. Yeah. Greg, Greg Steveson was the white Bill Russell at one point. Um, <laughs> Oh, I like I like that. Uh, Sam, what was your what was your favorite perk alert? I'm I'm going off the board. We haven't talked about it yet. Uh, have you guys seen him try to pronounce uh, Moses Moody's name yet? No, no I Hold on, that's not a tough name to pronounce. I can do that one. That's easy. What are we talking? Like you can do that one. What, he, what did he, he say? Got, like, he tried like Moosey Moosey Modis. Moosey, yeah. Moosey Modi. <laughs> Moosey Modus Operandus. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. And then, uh, and then last that's one. A, that's a moosing to me. That's a tough one. Uh, I'll kick go him with. Out. Kick Jay out. We, we, I know we're ending, but kick Jay out. No, I like that. I actually like Everyone that. Everyone always wants yeah. to kick me out. I'm going something. the opposite version. You know, I'm going Kuminga equals Jordan Bell. He's so down on Kuminga. Like, come on, man. Kuminga might not end up being good, but Jordan Bell. That's tough. That yeah, that's tough a one. that's a toughie. That's a tough one right there. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. We're past the two hour mark. We're gonna. We've all <laughs> we all have work to go do uh, for this draft. Um, there is nobody better in this business at preparing you for the draft and breaking it down than Sam Vecini. He is an absolute legend of stuff. The draft guide that he puts out that's hundreds of thousands of words every single year is the best breakdown that you can get. The mock drafts are super informed. It's not just they're going to take him or they should take him. Like he's giving you reasons for everything. It's the best rankings. It's the best big board throughout the year. Um, Sam, we can't thank you enough for the work you do. You actually make me, you make my job a lot easier because I can go watch what I, I, I go and watch the players for, uh, you know, however long I watch them. And then I'm like, I think I see this. I'm going to go check out Sam's rankings or Sam's breakdown to this guy. And then if it's wrong, I go back and watch more. If it's right, I stop watching. And I'm like, all right, got it. Nailed it. So <laughs> um, Sam, you, no one works harder at this than you do. You're the absolute best at this in the business. And everyone should subscribe to The Athletic just for Sam Vecini's draft breakdowns. Thank you. That was very nice. Uh, you guys... This was super fun. Like, let's do this next year, maybe. Tomorrow night, we'll be, we'll be back. No, we're not going to be back tomorrow night. But thank you for everyone for checking this out. If you have not subscribed to The Athletic, subscribe to The Athletic. It is the best coverage of sports you will get on the internet. It is the best storytelling. It's the best podcast. It's the best package all the way around. And it could not be a better bang for your buck. You're going to get all of Jay King's incredible Celtics breakdowns as Al Horford has returned. The return of the prodigal Al Horford is back. So you're not going to want to miss that coverage. Check out the podcast. Check out the power rankings. Check out everything uh, as Mo tries to offer up some more horrible, horrible puns throughout the podcasting efforts. Well, we're out of time. We're out of time, Mo. I'm so sorry. You don't have a chance for you to, uh, to respond here. Cut his mic. Thanks to everyone and enjoy the rest of the draft night. Shout out to Mark Taylor.